Welcome to a Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K-Fings. All right, man. We're back. Episode 153. Yep, yep. Let's get right into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, uh, the rapper Meek Mill uh, made a, uh, basically had a lyric about Kobe, uh, and it wasn't very great. Let me go ahead and uh, read it over here for you. I have a little article. Um, Kobe Bryant lyric lands rapper in hot water. Rapper Meek Mill is under fire on social media. After a Kobe Bryant inspired lyric from a soon to be released track leaked, the line from Meek Mill is is the definition of too soon, regardless of the intentions behind mentioning the late Los Angeles Lakers legend. Bryant passed over a year ago in a tragic helicopter accident, which also took the life of his 13 year old daughter, Gianna, and six others who were headed to his Mamba Sports Academy. The incident stunned not only the Lakers organization and the NBA, but the world. Uh, the last line from the line from Meek Mill is both disrespectful and insensitive with no payoff or cleverness behind it. Um, it says uh, this bitch. I'm fin- fucking always telling me that she loved me, but she ain't ever show me. Yeah. And if I ever lack, I'm going out with my chopper. It'd be like another Kobe. That, I, my God, that's just not clever at all. <laughs> uh, the, cl- the criticism came swiftly from Meek Mill after the snippet hit the Internet. I don't know when I'll be ready to hear a song that references Kobe, but I know it ain't now. And I know that that Meek Mill line just dropped. Uh, ain't it? Michael Lee from Washington Post tweeted, let the man RIP a little longer. And the next man who wants to try work a little harder to ensure that your bar isn't so disrespectful. Yeah. OK, here's my take on it. My take on it now is I think that in moments like this, you get to see who a person truly is. And Meek Mill is a fucking moron. He is a complete moron. This guy is, has no self-awareness. And it didn't really take uh, the whole situation from Kobe, him saying that about Kobe. He's done a lot of other dumb things. I knew this nigga was corny when recently he just had a video of 6 9 Look at this, yo. You a pussy, B. You a pussy. Look at you. You're trying to get me locked up. You're trying to get me locked up, man. Like. You, this guy is so corny. First of all, when somebody like 6ix9ine, somebody like that is beneath you. As a man, I'm just not even as a rapper, but like as a man, you need to understand when someone is not on your level of maturity. You only entertain those people when you are on their same level of immaturity. So the same person that's like this uh, social justice type dude, like how we, how are you going to be a social justice type dude, but you got videos of 6ix9ine? <laughs> You're a fucking clown. Like, we need to stop giving people so much slack. You can't defend everybody. I remember when, um, even when the Eagles had won the Super Bowl and Meek Mill just got out, they made Meek Mill this big icon. And his, his fall from grace is deserving. This is the most moronic thing you can say. Not to mention, Kobe was from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You couldn't pick the more wrong person to have this bar about. Mm-hmm. This is just fucking stupid. Yeah. I think that... Um I think you said it before you were saying like that just this past year has uh, really showed everybody's true colors. Facts. It was, it's kind of one of those things you can't really hide, especially as a, as an artist, because <clears throat> there's so much um, you, there was no shows. Right. So in order for people to kind of stay relevant, they needed to be on social media, probably a mm-hmm. little bit more than they're, they're used to. Right. And the more and more we see these people, the more we realize <laughs> that they're not as cool as, you know, they lead no, in their music. Not at all. And yeah, I think that's this is like a perfect case of that. 
Right. So, I, and the line about Kobe Bryant is it, just unnecessary. Yes. Yeah, in in no like, especially Kobe being such a beloved figure. Right. In in hip hop culture and in the sports world and all that, in no way, shape, or form should you ever make a line about Kobe that is not uplifting. One hundred percent. If it's about his his work ethic or the Mamba mentality, like that's dope. But right. if it's about the way he died, that's that's trash. It's just like yeah. that same joke. Uh, I forget. Um who had said it, but they kind of got canceled or some comedian that had a oh, joke. Oh, Ari Shafir. Yeah, yeah, It wasn't yeah. a joke. He was acting like, yes, Kobe died. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, he was acting like he was happy. Mm-hmm. And Joe Rogan and everybody else was like, dude, that was so fucking stupid. I can't yeah. believe he did that. Yeah. Yeah. So, all these people, they, you know, they kind of walk in that same light, but yeah. yeah. People, the, the thing about, you know, 2021 is that people will cancel themselves. Yeah, you know, I think last year, or yeah. the year, I think even like maybe like 2019, it was yeah. a year of like everybody's um, skeletons coming out of the closet. Mm-hmm. But I think in 2021, like everybody just canceling themselves. Yeah, I think. it. Yeah. People are canceling themselves by things that they're saying and things mm-hmm. they're doing. They can't hide it. I think quarantine is making people stir crazy and they mm-hmm. also have no substance. So as long as the world is constantly distracted with all these things, they could get away with being stupid. Nobody sees it. Mm-hmm. Right. But now that everyone sees it it's it's too much mm-hmm. and meat mill this the only people that are really going to subscribe to him now i'm not going to say they're all stupid people but he's going to have a mass like a vast majority of the people that subscribe to meek now i don't know who is mm-hmm. like he, i mean he's too old to be doing this shit too what he's like 33 or some shit yeah he in his 30s you're too sure. old for yeah. this man we're oh. almost the same age dude you can't if you're moving this stupid at this age you're just a stupid motherfucker i'm just being real because yeah. your your thirty set the tone for your whole life. Yeah. If you're saying things that dumb and poorly thought out, like on the podcast, me and you are we're just two guys, but we're still conscious and aware of what we're saying. Mm-hmm. If we're if we're playing around, and there's a freestyling. He actually wrote that down. Oh my god, <laughs> that's even worse. Yeah. My God, me and Keith don't write like write a script. Mm-hmm. And we do it off our heads and we don't remotely say anything yeah. that fucking this motherfucker wrote it down. And never and we don't edit or nothing. This no. is just off the cuff and we already know not to say that right. kind of crazy stuff. What kind of weed is this nigga smoking? Ah, I don't know. I mean, that Philly cheesesteak. I kind of got, I was burnt out on Meek Mill years ago too, though, with his rap. Like, this, all this guy does is yell every song. <laughs> yo, back in the day, I was winning it, yo. I'm like, all right, now you can shut the fuck up now. And you got canceled with the Kobe shit. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll move on from Meek Mill, man. I don't got much else to say. Um, but to all the rappers out there that may come across this podcast, Make sure you have a good circle and an, a good tribe of men and people in your life that don't allow you to write dumb shit like this. Yeah. Somebody should have got to this guy and said, hey, I don't think you should do that. But this also happens when you probably got nothing but yes men around you and all they do is they, is they suck on your resources and they don't even care about being your friend because no real friend would allow you to say something like that. Yeah. You know, I had some things that before that I thought about it and I talked to Keith. And then he told me, and I was like, yo, that's corny, bro. Why would I even think about saying that? Like, mm-hmm. Ant, we'll get that. And if Keith says something and I don't feel like it's really up to par, I'm like, nah. Mm-hmm. But when you have another strong man to rely on, then it helps you out. But Meek Mill must not have that yeah. in his immediate circle. Yeah. So, well, well, we'll see how his career plays out for the rest of I really don't give a fuck. I feel <laughs> I've made the same statements about him and the game. The game is corny. The game is talking about all the girls he fucked 
and he got a list of them. And it's like, dude, like you kissing and telling. I mean, you this guy is in his 40s now. You are too fucking old to be doing this. This is corny. Yeah. One thing I realized, like, I think I mentioned this before, but like, you know, just being in the, the different music videos and right. stuff and being around different artists um, and just seeing how these artists move, how they communicate, how they kind of do things. You just realize like these these dudes are like it's probably better off that they live behind this curtain of this yeah. celebrity status. Uh-huh. Because if people really knew who they were, they would be like, yo, this dude is weird. This guy's this an dude idiot. Is lame. Yeah. I have so much more respect for Kendrick, uh, Kendrick Lamar by mm-hmm. being a man that puts out music and he's pretty much uh, invisible the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that will completely disappear. He has no social media presence. He is off of everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that he, by him doing that, he gets to maintain a certain part of his life. Mm-hmm. But Meek Mill always got to post a new chain and he always got to post this and he always got to yeah. post that. I sent, I sent, uh, he has um, no substance. No substance. Timeline. I sent some, uh, uh, text, some screenshots to, uh, to Keith mm-hmm. the other day. It was with Meek Mill on there and, and it was hilarious. I'm reading the comments of what people said. Oh, you got to talk about the po- his post in, re- in response to the line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm going to get into that right okay. now. The comment said, trying to make up for that line, huh? Another <laughs> one said, that bar about Kobe wasn't it, bro. Then another <laughs> one said, you're making it hard for us to defend you. Mm-hmm. And then another one said, writing their names don't undo what you said. Mm-hmm. So this fool went and he said, bruh signed his own hat as if Kobe signed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he posted a picture of him with a hat and it said R.I.P. Kobe and Gigi. Mm-hmm. And then it was other people underneath this saying, yo, this, the, if it was anybody else doing this, we would say you was mad weird and mad lame, but we give him a pass because he is a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Like, you a weirdo. You writing Kobe's name on a hat? That doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't understand that. Like you sign the hat yourself and then you post it. And Keith responded to me. He said, meat meal career going to be over by next year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, you do it. You did it to yourself, man. Mm -hmm. All you had to do is not do that. That's all you had to do, man. Yeah. I feel like if, if people, if you even, if you get a sense of yourself and you realize you may not be like the coolest person or you may not be the best decision maker, um, you probably, and, but also realizing that what, social media brings and the, it has a lot of value in it but it's also a thing to where it's kind of overvalued sometimes a hundred percent and if you i feel like if you're that type of person that may not be just the coolest person in the world or just mm-hmm. make the right decision you should probably just like lay low like imagine kendrick what if kendrick lamar is like the corniest most you know bad decision maker out there but he realized about himself like man if I put my life on Instagram, then I will come off as like this corny person. So maybe yeah. I should stay off. And not that that's what his life is about, but that's just an example. I think people take a huge risk when they give people more than the music to be scrutinized. Yeah. When you basically like if you say, hey, I didn't like that track or that album wasn't that good or this was that. I'm like, <laughs> OK, look, it's bad enough. It's bad enough that you're attacking me for my content. Yeah. Now, I'm going to go back into the lab and try to get better, right? But here's the problem. You're not going to attack me for who I date. You're not going to attack me for who what I say. You're not going to attack me for what I'm wearing. Because when you put yourself out there all the time, you're going to be constantly attacked. You have to realize who the fuck you really are. Mm-hmm. 
All right. But this is why I don't post a bunch of photos of myself. Mm-hmm. For one, like I, I'm in the grand scheme of it all. Like, I don't want to make myself too important. Mm-hmm. Why do I need a bunch of photos of myself? Mm-hmm. You know what the fuck I look like. So yeah. the fuck do I need that for? Mm-hmm. If you go to Keith's page, he don't got a bunch of photos of himself either. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really not that important. Not at all. We put out content. The content's important. Keith yeah. does films. Keith does videos. He does a podcast. Those things drive him. But if you're a rapper and you're posting gold chains and watches and then you talk got a bad line about Kobe, you just suck. I'd rather be Eddie McGee than Meek Mill. Mm-hmm. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah. I'm dead serious. People say, whoa, whoa, whoa that's, a, that's a lie. Meek Mill is rich. Look here, man. Uh, just because a man has money doesn't mean he's rich. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of rich fools. A man with money does not make him rich in his soul and his heart, and it does not make him a man of substance. I was to say, like a fool in his money shall depart. Um, yep, like a that. fool in his money shall part. Mm-hmm. Now, Meek Mill without money is just a complete garbage human being. Now he ain't got no money too. Yeah, I'm sure he does well for himself now, but mm-hmm. that ain't always gonna be there. Um, yeah. Switching gears, um, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson made a statement recently regarding his wife, Sierra, that one of his biggest fears was losing his wife. All right, let's get into that right here and give us some context. Uh, What the fuck? I thought I put it in here. Oh, here it is. All right. All right. Russell Wilson admits his biggest fear is losing Sierra. Singer Sierra and her husband, Russell Wilson, are the latest couple to appear on GQ's Modern Love uh, covers. During a pre-Valentine's Day sit-down with the magazine, the, C- the Seattle Seahawks quarter- quarterback playfully admits that his biggest fear is losing his losing his wife. What's my biggest fear, Wilson? Uh, Wilson said, quizzes uh, his Sierra as the couple plays a lighting round of Q&A in front of a crackling fireplace. That's just an unnecessary line. Um, without hesitation, Sierra responds, not being prepared. Yeah, I would probably have one that's bigger than that. Wilson prize with Sierra responds, smirking as asking is losing before pop star can finish spelling a word, losing her hubby smiles at her and says, yes, losing you, which with immediately causes Sierra to blush and coo at his admission. Okay. Well, yeah, they just did a bad job of writing that shit. All right. Um, look, man. It's a lot of people getting on Russell Wilson, calling him a square. They calling him a simp. Oh man, he man he weak. This and that. And there's a bunch of women that are championing Russell Wilson. Let me be very clear when I say this: Russell Wilson is a stand up guy. I don't see any reason to attack Russell Wilson and him saying his biggest fear is losing his wife. I feel like that's admirable, personally. Why would you want to be with someone if you're not afraid to lose them? Mm-hmm. Right? You should. I, this is the same for men and women. I think that. It's a stand-up thing. If You shouldn't be with a woman if you're not afraid to lose her. Yeah. Period. What the fuck are you with her if that's not the case? Yeah. You know, um, it's admirable. It's a great thing. Um, I have a lot to say about this that goes pretty deep. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't think that uh, Russell Wilson should be attacked for making this statement. I think yeah. that uh, if you actually understand <clears throat> what it means to be a stand-up man, I think that this would make sense to you. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, like you said, there's nothing wrong with that. The, that's how we should operate. That right. keeps you away from, um, you know, we talk about cheating all the time. Like right. a person that's not afraid to lose his girl is a person that would cheat. 
Right. There you go. Because that fear of losing her or the, the this idea of cheating or this desire to cheat, it, it overpowers the fear of losing her. Exactly. And it happens a lot of time with people in power. Mm-hmm. Like if you're the breadwinner in the family, if you, you know, you're bringing home a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars a year and your wife is a stay at home mom. She mm-hmm. just take care of the kids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Those type of people, you know, tend to be the ones that um, will, you know, step out on a, a partner because mm-hmm. they don't have nothing to lose. Like, where where are they going to go? You know what I mean? So that's the type of thing. But it, there's there's nothing wrong with that. I think that um, a lot of people that have a gripe about this statement are people that don't desire to be in a real relationship Facts. or that aren't in a real like a, in a real relationship. Yeah. Because, like I said, that that healthy uh, fear is is going to keep you on the straight and narrow. It's going to keep you honest. Yeah. Yeah. You should have a health, a healthy fear in a relationship is good. It ain't just with losing somebody. It's like, you know, you don't want to be saying certain stuff or doing certain stuff because you don't want to get on their bad side. And I think that it's a certain respect that keeps men and women honest. Now I'll go further into this and say this. I see a lot of women saying, yeah, that's a real man. That's this, that's that. And I'm like, okay, fine. But let's be very clear. Sierra, just like many women in this country or out in the world, they have a past. And a lot of times that past is connected to a toxic man. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of what I mentioned on here before that a lot of times women give their best years to the worst niggas. Right. Mm-hmm. You give the best years of your life to the worst men and you even have children by these men. Mm-hmm. And what I want to let y'all know is you do don't expect a Russell Wilson to come into the picture later on. Yeah. OK. Russell Wilson's a great guy. But mm-hmm. a lot of women got to go through a couple futures before they get to Russell Wilson. <laughs> and you got to cut this fucking shit out. A couple futures in your past. Let me let me be clear. When a woman is is smoking hot and she's 20 years old, she's 21 years old, they're not like, ooh, Russell Wilson get my pussy wet. No. Jay- Jay-Z had a G. Ge- <laughs> oh, my bad. I'll let you finish. No, all I'm saying is they're not looking at a Russell Wilson when they're 20, 21 years old. Like, oh, my God, a good man is what I need. He get me so hot. They get turned on by niggas like Future and then and dudes in college that have no intentions of marrying them. Those are the women that those are the guys that get women hot at that age. They don't start gravitating to men like Russell Wilson until they're ready to settle down. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's the only point I'm making, too. The two things are true. Russell Wilson's a great guy. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, there's a lot of women that are downing men. Right. To basically, they're using Russell Wilson as the metric for how men should be. And I feel like there's validity in that. But it's also true that a lot of women don't value men like Russell until they have went through a couple niggas like Future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 100%. Let me, uh, I have the line right here. Hold on. Uh-oh. Oh, he said, uh, he say, uh. He said, uh, you egged Solange on knowing all along all you had to do was say you was wrong. You almost went Eric. You almost went Eric Benet. Let the baddest girl in the world get away. I don't even know what I don't even know what else to say. Nigga, never go Eric Benet. I don't even know what I would have done in the future. Other niggas playing football with your son. Oh, talking about like, you know, the Russell Westbrook. I mean, Russell Wilson and yeah. uh, future situation. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's kind of like one of those things, like even Jay-Z, obviously he had the whole lemonade and all that. Yeah, but they cheated on Halle Berry. Yeah. And mm-hmm. just the, all, the, all those references, it's like, basically like, I don't want to be like those people. Yeah. So even the, you know, one of the, 
you know, the best rapper of all time or, you know, super wealthy and, mm-hmm. all, you know, all the accolades you can ask for yeah. has the same, like, amount of fear. He mm-hmm. just said it in a cooler way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Never go Eric Benet. Yeah. He said somebody playing football with your son. Because you got to imagine that if you got a woman and you got a kid and you raising this kid, but you still can't get over the the um, the need for pussy. Like, pussy is so important to you still. If you a married man, you should have got enough pussy in your partying days to where you understood that a woman giving you sex can never amount to a woman giving you love and giving you you support and Mm -hmm. giving you help and giving you structure. Like, that shit is way different than a woman giving you pussy. I feel like like no matter when you kind of settle down, it's always probably going to be a little bit premature. 100%. Um, So I think... As as a man, you have to um, just come to grips with if if you meet the love of your life at 22, which, you know, it may be difficult, mm-hmm. you know, just to say, but you have to make that decision. Am I going to just chill and be OK with not really living out my life as far as like having, you know, the whatever um idea of living your life would be right and just settling down at 22 and realizing that i'm not going to step out on my wife i'm mm-hmm. going to rock together until i'm old and gray right um or you may have to live with the fact that you know that person left you at 22 mm-hmm. and it may never you may never, never come yeah. around again it may never materialize mm-hmm. yeah that's true that the people are left with some tough decisions this is yeah. a much this is a very nuanced conversation because mm-hmm. A lot of people might fall in love with their life at 23, but they're like, you know what? I'm partying right now. I'm just fucking. I don't want anything serious. But now you are angry because you can't find that at 30 years old. Mm -hmm. When in actuality, the problem was is you had that already. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that there are certain things that appear in your life, but you're not always ready for them. You notice that most parents are not ready to be fucking parents. Yeah. And, And, you know, they became parents because they met at Club Bricks. Had a couple too many uh, tequila shots, and now here comes uh, Miguel, baby Miguel came yeah. out of nowhere. Met at Club Bricks, took some dick. <laughs> Met at Club Dicks. <laughs> <laughs> they should just call a club that. They might as well just call it Club Dicks. D I X X. Come on down to Club Dicks. <laughs> That'd be crazy, man. That's funny. Yeah. Um, ultimately, though, I uh, like we mentioned before, Russell Wilson, I think that. Um, him treating for one, him treating um, his stepson like his son. That's where you know he gets a, he's getting a lot of love from that, and also that he waited for sex until marriage. He's getting a lot of love for that. But let's, he just seemed like a solid dude. He man. just seemed like I can't say anything bad about <laughs> Russell Wilson. I would be a hater he if got I Super Bowl ring. Yeah, <laughs> he got a Super Bowl. <laughs> He, he it, bought Sierra her masters back. Like crazy, he did, huh? Yeah, he oh bought his offensive God. lineman like ta- uh, stocks and whatnot. Yeah, like, like you should never say nothing bad about Russell. I'm gonna Wilson. tell you something about Russell Wilson. And my pop said this. He said that he thinks when Russell Wilson is gone, he gonna run for some type of office. Man, I could see that because he just he he's not fake. Yeah, this is not fake. What he's doing, you know what you know what it makes me believe, and I don't know much about his past relationship outside mm-hmm. of the fact that uh, you know it was a white girl and they had been dating in college and yeah. all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like she probably screwed up. She probably fucking did. Cause this nigga just seemed like, <laughs> nigga, I want to date Russell Wilson. <laughs> uh, uh, welcome to the Joker's Mind Podcast. I'm Keith Wilson. 
Oh man, I'm telling you, there's a lot of women that fuck up relationships too. And, and oh God, and they never own up to it. I never heard a woman say, you know what? I ruined my relationship. I feel so bad. I never hear women come forward and admit to fucking up relationships. And I know tons of women that have. Yeah. I don't know who fucked up that relationship with Russell Wilson, but it might have been her. Yeah. Cause this nigga is too good. <laughs> Yeah, he's a good nigga, man. Yeah, he's an undeniably <laughs> good guy. Undeniably. I, it's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah, but you look at... you And look, first of all, I'm not judging Sierra, but it just goes to prove that men and women are on the opposite sides of the same experiences. Yeah. So it's like... Dang, yeah. We're on the same... This is why I know like the things I'm saying are accurate. It's not me mansplaining shit. You look at who Sierra used to date. She was dating 50 Cent and Bow Wow and Future. And, you know, these guys aren't trying to put a ring on a finger, right? Mm-hmm. So you go through that. Those dudes and those were public relationships. And who knows else who she was dating? But obviously, these were not all great choices. And the average woman does this shit. They will date these dudes and get feelings for these dudes. But these guys... Are just dudes that are, you know, rugged cats Mm -hmm. that, you know, they're rugged dudes that, you know, are getting in them guts and that's all they're doing. And the best thing they could do is really give you a kid. They're not really trying to do anything long term. And then she, boom, she bumps into Russell Wilson and strikes gold because there's two types of people in this world. There are fool's gold and there are gold. There are people I've came across them like in my in, in my even recent or in general, where you like this girl, you think she's cool, fool's gold. Mm-hmm. Find out it's fool's gold. And there are some women that are gold. Mm-hmm. I think in this stage of time, Sierra must be a pretty solid woman. Mm-hmm. So I have nothing bad to say about Sierra. Mm-hmm. But she lucky she got Russell Wilson because the average woman, that is not going to fucking happen. Yeah. I think sometimes we, as, a, as a man, you got to realize you to catch. You know, 100%. Enough, pun intended. But, right. like, you know, I feel like... Um, Obviously, they want to be on an equal playing field, but like, mm-hmm. as a man, you got to realize, like, you know, this woman is, um, she should be happy to be in this relationship with me. Facts. As much as I love her, you know what I mean. She has the history that she has, mm-hmm. and I'm the guy. You know, that's true, fellas. Yeah. You got to understand what your worth is, mm-hmm. man. Stop acting like the woman is always the prize. Yeah, a lot of women be thinking they a prize when the whole time is you. Yeah, so the same same with Sierra. She should be, you know, walking on, not eggshells, yeah. but you know what I mean, for lack of a better phrase, walking on eggshells to yeah. not want to, you know, do anything to, you know, in that relationship as well. Facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely, I, I hope the best for both of them, man. I think mm-hmm. that it's a beautiful thing that, you know, you you she got a solid dude. She seems like she's a good woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's doing a lot for her because he really, he got the money for one. Um, and two, like he genuinely, not no rapper money, not like no rapper real, money. He got some real, get real where you could Google it. Yeah, <laughs> his check say Seattle Seahawks on. Yeah, him, this guy's know. worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, that's crazy. He bought her fucking masters back. That's wild. That's wild. Listen, he's a different cat. You know, you know, what would just make me just so angry if all of a sudden they come out here it was cheating on him. Yeah, she uh, would be. She would get dragged. She would get dragged for that. Yeah, yeah I think women would drag her, bro. Yeah, I think it'd be more women dragging her than men dragging her. Yeah, yeah, because they know how hard it is to come across a solid dude. Yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, switching gears. Um, recently, um, B Simone made a statement. Um, it was about women. She spoke about. Let me go ahead and go. We get, can put the clip in there. 
Oh, you want to insert it? Yeah. Is, how, how long is it? You know, it's it wasn't nice. that long. It was only like 30 seconds. OK, let's go ahead and insert the clip right here. We're manifesting love. But here's another challenge. We got all these things we want in a man. A list of things. He got to be tall. He got to be dark. He got to be handsome. He got to have pretty teeth. He got to be a family man. He got to be financially stable. He got to be rich. He got to be successful. He got to be all these things. And we ain't even have the things on that list. He got to be a family man. You talk to your mama in six months, but you want him to be a family man. He got to be financially stable. Your account is in the negative, ma'am. Overdraft fees. He got to have a job. You need to go fill out some applications because you're still unemployed. He got to have pretty teeth. You ain't seen a dentist in six years. He got to have a six pack and be in shape. You can't even walk up a flight of stairs while huffing and puffing. Get your life together. This whole list that he got to be. You ain't even half the things on that list. All right. What you get from that is basically B. Simone stating her opinion. Um, and she just stated that women aren't half the things they want in a man. Now, what I'm not going to do is um, I don't want to generalize. But what I will say is this. Make sure whatever you want from a man that you have it. If you say I need a man that's making, you know, five hundred thousand a year and he needs to be six foot tall. He got to have an eight and a half inch dick and he got to have this. Well, of course, you won't have the dick, but he's got to <laughs> have all these things. Right. He's got to have all these things that you want in a man. How much of that shit do you have? Right. The problem, I won't say the problem with women, but the POV from a lot of women is they want a man that's better than them. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing either, but I noticed that from a, um, a hypergamous standpoint, women want men who are a, a, who are equal or better. They don't want them. They're not. They don't like dating down. Mm -hmm. If a woman is ever dating down, it's because they're in a space where they're not looking for something serious and they don't mind getting some dick at that moment. That's the only time a woman's really going to date down is if they just want some dick. But besides that, they're going across or up. Mm -hmm. And uh, for long term, women don't want to do that is equal to them. They want someone better, mm -hmm. period. Um, and that's just me. That's just literally hypergamy. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I agree with some of it for sure. Um, but I'm not going to say they aren't half the things. But there are a lot of women who are spoiled because they have a lot of what I call um, beta males, simps. Mm -hmm. A lot of simps are building women up. And a lot of it is men's fault. A lot of it is men's fault because they will take a woman who is underachieving in her own life and be like, oh, you're so beautiful. You're so great. You're so this. You're so that. So you have underwhelming women with too much confidence and they go out into the world expecting way more than what they have. And that's a lot of men that have done that shit. Yeah. And if men didn't ex like literally amplify a woman's ego so much then we wouldn't probably we would probably have more women who are honest with themselves. So men are complicit in this also. It ain't just women. I, I think uh, kind of going back to her mm -hmm. previous statement where um, she had basically said um, she want to do that's an entrepreneur. She can't date right. and do with a nine to five. And she got right. a lot of backlash for it. And at the moment, I understood what she was saying because right. um, I live a similar lifestyle. Not mm -hmm. necessarily. I don't I'm not like an entertainer like she is, but mm -hmm. like as far as like being an entrepreneur and, you know, not necessarily having a, a, a position where you clock in and out. Um, I, I leveled with her on that. Like I, I, I agreed with what she was saying because a lot of people that was, um, 
you know, kind of talking negatively about her statements, I could tell that they weren't speaking from a place of experience. Right. And also not a place of experience of being in a relationship with a person that does clock in every day. Mm. Because if you were, then you probably would understand fully what she was what she was getting at. You That's know, it may point. come off as like just a statement in itself, like the headline may read. B. Simone doesn't want a person with a nine to five. It sounds a little pretentious, but when you right. actually listen to what she was saying and then you kind of, you know, uh, empathize with what she was saying, you realize that it's very difficult for a person that say a person is working at uh, Walmart or something. And then the other person is, you know, they maybe have their own you know, store or something like right. that. What happens is that person has a schedule that works at Walmart. They have a schedule that's probably set out two weeks in advance. Right. So they know exactly when they're clocking in and when exactly when they're clocking out. The right. person that owns that clothing store, they may have to get on the phone with manufacturers mm-hmm. at 10 p.m. They mm-hmm. may have to take trips to L.A. They may have mm-hmm. to take meetings you know, with designers and all these kind of things. And their schedule is all over the place. Right. So that creates a riff in people's relationships. 100%. So essentially what she was saying is I don't want those problems. So I would rather date somebody that understands, understands completely it. what I'm going through. Right. So doubling back to this statement, um, this current statement, like she... Be dropping gems, but it's be Simone. So people just yeah. hate. You they know, kill what the me- they, 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 they <clears throat> instead of it's not about the it's not about the messenger. It's the message, mm-hmm. and they kill the messenger, mm-hmm. right? And it, because she has like um satir- like a satirical undertone to a lot of stuff she says, yeah. And they they tear her apart for it. But here's the thing: if she said that I need a man that's like an entrepreneur and not a and, you know doesn't work at nine to five, mm-hmm. well, she's an entrepreneur, believe it or not. Yeah. So she's making a statement. Coming from a woman that is actually doing the job mm-hmm. and says that's what she wants, mm-hmm. I can't shit on that. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, you know. And and if she if she made this statement too, I think she's making a statement because she's in the industry also, where there's probably a lot of women who date NBA players and date other rich men, and some of these women don't have a lot of things to themselves. I remember Post Malone um, had a had a line. He said, uh, "I forgot the song." Uh, he said, uh, "Got a million followers, but your but your bumper's broken, mm-hmm. right? So you got a million followers, but you got a bumper on your car that's broken. Mm-hmm. And these women be in the club getting dudes that's worth millions of dollars. So what she's basically saying is, a lot of women want what they don't have, yeah, right. And I'm sure that." There's a lot of women who would agree with that partially because it's an undeniable fact, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially when you look at like there's some there's some people that are local that you'll see them at the parties with like YG. And because a lot of times a woman's beauty is her currency. Mm-hmm. So a woman could be broke. They could not. They could probably be driving an old Honda broke, but they look so good. It gets them in certain places. Yeah. So that's what we have to we have to acknowledge all the different factors yeah. in this. Yeah, I think I think above above anything, what she's really getting at is like the expectation. I think sometimes some women almost like they have this expectation that uh, just because they put whatever out there that they desire that it that it should be what they get in real life. Yeah. And it's kind of like that's just not how things should work. No. If you're a person that. Um, and not to downplay OnlyFans or whatever, but if you're a person that like your main source of income is like OnlyFans and, you know, you you may have a couple subscribers each month and that's and you living with your parents and all these kind of things. But you're also expecting some rapper or NBA player or real estate agent to right. sweep you off your feet. It's like not. And also like that, that almost like 
disrespects the law of attraction. 100%. You know, we, we talked about it before about how like we started moving in a different way in order to just become more of a more like boyfriend husband material. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So for for if we were out here trying to be like, you know, I, I want a I want an entrepreneurial woman. I want a woman that's, you mm. know, moving a certain way, but we out here in the club and we right. in every female's DMs, like right. that's not that's not even like moving the, the right way. So mm-hmm. even even if you're working towards something, is that is that woman that wants these things in a man? Right. Even if you're working towards something like you in school or, you know, you 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 studying something consistently, you reading audio or you listening to audio books and all these things and you moving in that direction, you know, and you desire those things, it even makes more sense. But right. not a person that's just sitting at home scrolling through Instagram and posting booty pics all day. There you saying go. You want somebody that's in the upper echelon or, you know, in a certain tax bracket. Right. That's trash. Yeah. You might get a you might you, you you're not going to get what you want for sure. I think that because. You have to start being somebody before you're actually that person. I don't know if it makes sense, but we're creatures of habit. So since we're creatures of habit, we have to develop certain habits within ourselves until we become that person. So if you want to become a husband, uh, you want to be a husband or a father or whatever, you got to start moving at that speed. Meaning like for me, like I can't say I want to be a husband, but I'm constantly going to club bricks every weekend, chasing pussy every fucking week yeah that's just not you're not going to get there you have to change your demeanor and your attitude as a man yeah to attract these type of women and to attack attract this type of energy because mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's pretty much energy yeah you can't hide the energy that you're putting out mm-hmm. you can't be you you got 10 girls you fucking 10 girls and you say i want to be a husband it's not doesn't work like that. It's it's uh kind of the, the there was this analogy of like the doppler effect right and it's about like um, it's kind of a deep analogy, but in um, in short, it's essentially like something is moving. Like if two things are flowing side by side, right? Um, the thing next to it is moving a little bit slower if you're moving faster. There so you go. So if two cars are driving by, say like say you're um, on the freeway, right? And those two cars are driving side by side, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like that car is going that fast because you're right, right next to it. But right. if you're standing on the side of the freeway, the it's car going, is right. Right. So basically, if you're the car and you're in the car and you're going like 65 and the other cars going 65, mm-hmm. it's much easier to communicate to there you know, you to, go. to build relationships with those kind of breaking, people. Right. You're not breaking your neck trying to talk to them or yeah. whatever mm-hmm. because you guys are basically going in the same direction. Mm-hmm. You're not going that you might be going 65, but they're going 63. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what people don't realize. Like you could be the person you expect a person going 65 miles an hour, but you're standing on the side of the fucking road. It don't work like that. It doesn't work like yeah. that. No matter how good you look. Right? Mm-hmm. You could be... Here's the thing. What I noticed... I'm just going to come out and say it because this podcast <clears throat> is about transparency, right? Yeah. Um, I noticed that some of the most beautiful women get used up the most, mm-hmm. meaning they get pumped and dumped more than anyone. Mm-hmm. I, most of these extremely beautiful women, it is harder for them to find a genuine partner than an unattractive dude. I think an unattractive dude... And a extremely beautiful woman have the same amount of hardships in finding a partner. One dude is just completely undesirable, but the woman is very desired, but she's desired by everyone. Mm-hmm. And when you're desired by everyone, you're not going to have It's very highly unlikely. You will have a genuine person come around. So a lot of the most beautiful women get used up and left. 
you got to think too about the uh, the velocity in which they get approached. A hundred percent. So many people oh in my their God. DMs consistently. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you see a lot of beautiful women say, "Men is just trash. They're no good." And it's the fact that you have twenty options at your disposal at all times. Mm-hmm. How can you? How can you literally make a decent decision as a woman who is highly attractive and you're approached by all these people? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's making it harder for you. I know it sounds terrible that I'm trying to empathize with beautiful women, but mm-hmm. I have to because mm-hmm. it's, it's only fair, right? Mm-hmm. Most very beautiful women, they get shit for men. Yeah, They get shitty dudes. Yeah, They might get the rich guy, but he might be like, nah, nah, I'll, get mm-hmm. a, I'll get another one next week. Mm-hmm. Men that are high value, that these CEOs and you know the dudes that women like, like women be like, I love Michael B. Jordan. And I love this person. I love them. You know how many women Michael probably pumped and dumped? Yeah. I don't know Michael B. Jordan like that, but he's a handsome guy and he's rich. Yeah. He's high status. So there's probably a bunch of women that are begging to be with him and mm-hmm. they got pumped and dumped. Yeah. And they were very, probably very beautiful women too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man, it's just something to think about. Mm-hmm. We kind of went on a tangent there, but mm-hmm. ultimately I don't see much of a problem with B. Simone. I feel like there's comparable stories on somewhat on the other end with men because mm-hmm. um, we know some dudes that'll be like, man, these girls ain't shit, blah, blah, blah. But I'll be thinking to myself like, that's probably because you ain't shit, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And some dudes out there, you know, like you said, probably think the same way. Like they don't they want a woman to have a certain status, a certain right. job, you know, make a certain amount of money. But they haven't even, you know. Put themselves in that same position yeah people need to understand that most relationships and friendships are reflective so you're getting what you are in most cases mm-hmm. you are getting what you are yeah okay so at the and look to summarize this whole thing if you're a woman or whoever since the topic was women on this one would be simone if you don't have half the things you want in a man don't fucking expect that man or move in a position to do so a hundred percent yeah just focus on yourself Mm-hmm. All right, switching gears. Um, uh, recently, um, Russell Limbaugh just passed on. If you don't know who Russell Limbaugh is, he was a, a right-leaning conservative radio uh, radio personality for many, many years. Um, the reason why I'm bringing this up is just because I've seen some people that I know personally who are definitely liberal. I've seen it mainly from liberals doing this. I'm a person that's middle-leaning, but I'm definitely more left-leaning. And what I've seen is kind of disgusting is the uh, people celebrating Rush Limbaugh dying. Now, Mm -hmm. I didn't agree with hardly anything Rush Limbaugh had to say. But let me be very clear when I say this. I will never celebrate a person's death. Yeah. I think that that says a lot about you to do that. Yeah. Um, By the way, um, he died of cancer. My father has terminal cancer right now. Mm -hmm. So what what kind of person would I be to shit on Rush Limbaugh, bro? Like, yeah, I just feel like it was people that was like, yeah, the day is a glorious day. Rush Limbaugh is finally out of here. And I've seen people talking about, well, is what it is and this and that. And it's just like with me. We're all going to die someday. Why would you celebrate somebody else's death when your ass could be dead next week? Imagine yeah. this is what I thought about too. Imagine God forbid Barack Obama passed and it would be people like, yeah, finally he's out of here. He was the worst president ever. This and that. We would call them people racist. Mm-hmm. We would call them racist. We would call them classless. We would say that they wrong for what they doing. But in this case, what I'm supposed to celebrate because Russell Limbaugh's dead. Like, nah. Yeah. I mean, re- I mean, rest in peace to him. Rest in peace. And, and you mean prayers to his family. I don't mm-hmm. know him. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know him personally, so I, I refuse to celebrate another person's death. Yeah, that that was a weird thing. I think a lot of people were bringing up, you know, certain things about his past, and, right? You know, different allegations and stuff that he was uh, dealing with. For me, if if you feel that way, it's just better to stay silent. There you, you go. Know, I'm not I'm not a fan of him, but I right. also wouldn't be the person that goes on social media celebrating and, you know, just being happy is out of here. That, that was a strange thing for me because yeah. the, the voices of those liberals that was Sean um, King attacking him was so much louder than the rest in peace. The rest right, in pieces. So right. it, it was, it was just a strange thing. But like you said, it's, it's one of those things like uh, life is precious and you don't want to be putting out that kind of energy out there. Mm-mm. You know, so. no, you won't get me doing it. Sean King, talk, Sean King talked about how, you know, this man attacked me for many years for no reason and told me this and did this and did this and did this and did this. And did this. Sean King's a guy. Two things are very true about Sean King. Sean King does a great job bringing awareness to a lot of social issues going on in the world. But he also is good at um, just overly just overly reaching sometimes mm-hmm. at certain things. Mm-hmm. Um like I remember it, it was it was one about the George Floyd and the protests and you know he posted about it. he brings a lot of awareness to things that should be talked about. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, he brought up Russ Limbaugh and basically did it in a way to where it was like, you know, uh like it is what it is or whatever. And I'm mm-hmm. like, man, it was just that's just unnecessary. Yeah. It's just unnecessary, man. Yeah, I think I think like you said, it's it's where Sean King, he has to that's part of his his thing. Like he has to yeah. kind of say something at whenever these issues come about, especially right. a guy like Rush Limbaugh. But it's right. just like it. It's kind of one of those things. Unless he did some like heinous crime towards you, right? At the end of the day, like those people treat that like sport. They right. treat it like Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless, right? Because when he went on a Breakfast Club, it was just a casual conversation. It wasn't he wasn't spewing, you know, certain rhetoric or he wasn't being, you know, disrespectful to them. It was, he was pretty he was pretty calm. And, you know, that is supposed mm-hmm. to be a space where he should be under fire. Right. But he went in there like chill. like He didn't break a sweat at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you if you start to realize that about, you know, just like these people on these networks and the people that um, run TV, then you may not be that invested. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I just. I just think overall, the reason why I brought it up is to just you have to be objective, man. You're like, it's not OK to celebrate someone's death mm-hmm. and it's not OK to just reduce them down anything like somebody. I remember people saying it was some people talking about, oh, man, they need to just get it. They need to just get rid of the president and this and that. And I'm thinking like, dog, like as much as I'm not a fan of 45, yeah, I'm not going to make a statement like that. Yeah, I just, I just don't see like where that. I think I think part of that that is um, people being followers in a sense. Facts, because um, when you start to like really look at like what Donald Trump has done, he has he's he hasn't done anything to me personally. Facts. Like it ain't like he went into my my house and you know said anything wrong to my mom or whatever. He hasn't like killed anybody that I'm close to or he hasn't done anything for me to be like if he passed away today to me for me to celebrate it's just not it's not I'm not that gonna serious. do that no I'm not I will choose to say nothing mm-hmm. I'd rather choose to say nothing than disrespect somebody yeah facts. I think everything I had to say to them in this life I would have said it and if I didn't get a chance to say it it just won't be said yeah it's just 
I don't know, man. It's like you don't spit on someone's grave. Yeah. You just don't. Mm-hmm. But look, it's neither here nor there. There's going to be some people that totally disagree with this. Mm-hmm. I don't care. You mm-hmm. know, okay? If 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 you feel it's okay when that uh, to do that to somebody else, if your grandmother or your grandfather or your son or your daughter or your brother or sister passed away and somebody said, thank goodness they're dead. Imagine how the fuck you would feel. It's not even about Russell Limbaugh at this time. At this time, it's about his family. Yeah, that's uh, that's the whole thing. Regardless of who a person is and how much you don't like them, mm-hmm. it's not about them anymore. They're gone. Mm-hmm. But what about their their per- their niece or nephew who has nothing to do with it? That's watching you celebrate their uncle or dad or cousin's death. They hurting right now. They hurting right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I it's I can't even quantify how bad it feels to lose somebody mm-hmm. like your mom or dad. I haven't had that experience. And it's something inevitably that I will experience within the next few fucking years. Mm-hmm. So I, I personalize it a little bit different than a lot of people. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um switching gear. Um, me and Keith have noticed over the years, uh content creators, um and how they react when people don't subscribe to what they're doing. Yeah. And I just wanted to talk about this really quick. If you're anybody that creates content, I don't care what content that is, right? You cannot be mad when people don't subscribe to it. All your job is to put the content out. That's it. Okay. There's some, there's a, I don't want to get too in detail because, you know, people might find out who the fuck it is, but someone was really upset that their content was not being subscribed to by people and stated like, Oh man, you people are doing this and you, all you do is watch trash and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking like, wait a minute, man, you cannot be sensitive when people don't subscribe. By the way, when people see that you're frustrated because you're not subscribing to what they're doing, you turn them away already. They're like, this guy's a fucking crybaby. Mm-hmm. Why would I listen to his podcast? Or mm-hmm. Why would I watch his sketches? Or why would I listen to their music? Because you are a fucking crybaby. Mm-hmm. If you're doing something for the love, then it does not bother you when people don't subscribe to it. Yeah. Bottom line. Mm-hmm. Stop doing shit for credit and do it because you love it. If you genuinely love it, and let's say you only got seven people that listen to your podcast, or you only got eight people that shared your skit or listen to your music. Do it for those eight fucking people. Yeah. When me and Keith first started out, we didn't have hardly nobody listening to the podcast, but we kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. The numbers kept going up and kept going up and kept going up. The The most listened to podcast we got now is, uh, I think it's like almost 900 listens on one episode. The yummy episode. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So the thing about it is, is we started out with seven listens. Mm-hmm. We started off with 12 listens. We started off with nine listens. And we just kept doing it because we loved it. And those nine people was giving us feedback. Hey, I like your podcast, man. We appreciate. I was like, I appreciate you. And just those little inkling of that small amount of push kept us going. Kept us going. But when people didn't listen, I was like, man, fuck these people. They don't know a good thing when they see it. Yeah. Can't do that. Yeah. that That's, uh like you said, it's one of those things that, that, that turn turn people off right uh, as a as a viewer and uh, but also what i start to realize like um when is enough going to be enough right Mm -hmm, right. so i feel like if you have that idea about your content now you'll probably always feel feel that way because in you know uh that 
always reference like J. Cole's song, Love Yours. Yeah, you know, yeah. Always saying like, there's always someone better. There's mm-hmm. always a more beautiful person. There's always going to be someone richer. All the above. There's always going to be, if, if we're in this content space and you're not satisfied with where you are, there's, and we can all have goals and aspirations. That's, that's, that's not what I'm saying, but. Right. If you're not happy or you don't have to be content, but at least be happy with your results, then you're always going to feel like that. Because say, you know, I don't know how many um, views or listens, whatever this person is getting, but say they get like, you know, consistently 50 views Mm -hmm. Um, or and then they start growing and growing and growing. And, you know, they get up to like 100,000 views on each piece of content they put out. Well, Kevin Hart is selling out arenas. There you go. You know, J. Cole is selling out arenas. Drake is going platinum in two weeks or in a month or something like that. So it's always going to be somebody bigger out there. Right. So the fact that you're not content with what or you're not happy or satisfied with, you know, the results that are happening when you're putting your stuff out, you're just never you're never going to be happy because it's just it's like it's infinite. Right. You know, you can't really reach to those things. Like, even if you're a musician, like Michael Jackson sold 75 million. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? So if you sell, if you go gold and Michael Jackson sells 75, it's always going to be like, well, my album is better than such and such. And why isn't Mm -hmm. it getting that type of recognition? When you use someone else's life as a metric for success, you'll never be happy. Yeah. You have to pay attention to what you're doing. Um, And at the end of the day, there's so many people that have successful careers because those those careers exist in their own lane. Like you look at the rapper currency, right? Very successful rapper. Is he like the one of the top best rappers ever? No, but he's got he's carved out a niche for himself. People really mess with they him. really fuck with currency. Mm-hmm. I like currency a lot. Mm-hmm. He's got like this jazz hip hop type vibe to it. Mm-hmm. He's really dope. Then you got Russ. He got his own little lane. Yeah. Then you got it's certain artists and certain um, it's certain mu- uh, uh, musicians. It's certain actors that aren't top actors, but they are in good roles. Um, what's this dude's, dude's name? Uh, Bo- Bokeem Woodbine, I think his name is. Yeah. Yeah. He's been in some movies back in the day. Mm-hmm. He's not a super top actor, but he's a really fucking good actor. Mm-hmm. He's not Denzel Washington, but he's still a good actor. It doesn't change. Like what we're basically trying to get across is you could create a decent thing for yourself if you're just patient man yeah if you love it if you're patient if you're willing to go through the long haul and do it me and keith do this podcast every week because we love it but we also love how we're impacting the people that listen to it right so we're just getting double we're we're, get, we're doubling i won't say we're doubling down but we're getting double the pleasure from doing this mm-hmm. but if you're doing a podcast every week and you hate it because you're not getting the attention you want you're losing. You're you losing. You wasn't built for it. You wasn't built for it. Yeah. I think that um, what happens, too, is sometimes we lack the self-awareness to realize that our content may not be as good as the stuff that other people are listening 100%. to. A hundred percent. As much as, you know, as much as, you know, we all see the potential in ourselves. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean like, say, I put, say we put out a skit or something like that. And whomever has, you know, more traction in there to get in more views. Right. Um, if you're hating on that other person, you know. You may be um, show a lack of understanding of the content that people actually like. 
So if you if you're say you're a, like you make skits and you see like Watch Homie Quan or Xavier TV and you're like man mm-hmm. my skit is funnier why hasn't it gone viral like that? Mm-hmm. Maybe because it's not as funny as their content. It's not as funny not only as as their content but it's not that funny in general. Yeah. Sometimes self awareness is the number one thing you need in life. Mm-hmm. Okay, for example, I I didn't mention this at the top of the podcast, but I did a, a comedy show last night mm-hmm. and I was self aware enough to have an idea of my performance and I don't ever want to make myself as good as I think. Think I am mm-hmm. at all, and, and and I feel like I'm not. I feel like I'm decent, but I'm not good. Mm-hmm. Just based based on the fact that <clears throat> I have a lot of work to do. If I have not put in the work that I see the greatest comp the comedians put in, why the fuck would I feel entitled to have this grand opinion of myself? Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep doing the work. I'm going to look at the reactions of the people and the organic responses that I get. And that that reaffirms the belief I have in myself. But I'm going to continue to do the work till I prove to myself how good I actually am. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people just not willing to do that. By the way, if you're a person that gets mad that people don't listen to your content, you're probably the same dude that gets mad when you get rejected by women. Yeah. Right. You're going to be mad like, man, fuck you, bitch. You was fat anyways. Nobody wanted you. I don't care. You all mad. But if you're a person that politely accepts rejection, you'd be surprised this is the God's honest truth, I, and, and it's honest. Mm-hmm. If you politely res- expect, respect rejection from women, you'd be surprised how many of those women try to come back getting with you, mm-hmm. right? Because you, in a way, you attracted them. See, when, when women uh, reject men, a lot of dudes be like, well, fuck you then, you know, or man, you ain't nobody or whatever, or they get mad. And when you don't give them that response and you remain respectful and you cool about it, that actually attracts them. I feel like life is the same way. Get that double back pussy. Oh, man. You'd be surprised. Like, dang, I can't believe I'm fucking this chick. What's (laughs) what's going on? (laughs) Yeah. But that's how life is. When Mm -hmm. you actually respect the process, you you will eventually reap the benefits from being patient and respecting the process of life. Instead of saying, fuck you, you don't like me, then then the universe is like, oh, fuck me, huh? Yeah. Fuck you, you peon. You're pushing people away. One thing I realized, too, like what a lot of content creators need to realize is that not everybody come across can, or is coming across your content. 100%. You know, you may think that you posted your song, you posted your music video or whatever, but you just posted it at one time. Right. If somebody is just going through their day-to-day stuff or, you know, you know, we know how the algorithms work. Right. If you open up Instagram right now, the person at the top is, is curated to make you stay on it a little bit longer. It may be the person that you um, look at their content more or maybe... Mm-hmm. Um, based off of, you know, the type of stuff that they're posting in there. So the same thing with whatever platform you're posting your content on, like unless you're pushing it and pushing it and, you know, essentially promoting that content, then people may not run across it. So you could be like, man, y'all trash. Y'all not sharing my stuff. But the person reading that post may be like, oh, I didn't even know you posted a thing. I love your your content. Right. You You just turn them off. Mm -hmm. And the thing, too, about it is like, as podcasters, Eddie and I, and you know, pretty much anything we do, we have a certain amount of uh, uh, 
self-awareness but we also realize that we are good at what we do it's right not, it's not just something that we're just doing just because right um and these things are affirmed by different people you know you just got right. a message on the right. phone saying somebody was in in bevmo listen they, right. they listen to our podcast i was like what and, yeah you know people we know what bevmo we know what bevmo is about <laughs> but but i say that to say Shout like to bevmo man future future uh, uh what do you call it future sponsor man yeah but i say that to say like you know when it comes to um that it just it just kind of keeps you on your toes because you know like if my content is this good and there's somebody out there that's doing more numbers or do, doing better financially or whatever than I am that's where I could get to you there know you go. I, it's, it's just up to me to close the gap and that just yeah. makes you want to work harder um so when that so when you know when we talk about the algorithms again you know you know when you're setting up these these Instagram ads these Spotify uh these Facebook ads it asks you like what kind of tags you want to use or whatever right um so basically i'm saying that to say like if somebody that happens to like Joe Budden's podcast and we use that in our in our alg- algorithms or whatever and then they come across our podcast for when they listen to it they got to be we want to be so great that they when they when they engage with the or when they listen to the content they engage with it and mm. then we just we we just hook them in like fish so but you will never hear me say like man y'all ain't listening to my podcast cuz we have more listeners than when we were first started, and I never said that when we first started. Facts. Yeah. I'm about to drop some gems real quick. <laughs> you will never become your higher self behaving like your lower self. Dang. You won't. You will never become your higher self behaving like your lower self. Yeah. You have to be, you have to have enough self-awareness to understand that, you know what? This situation does bother me. But instead of instead of projecting this on the others, let me do more. Let me talk to people. Let me figure out what they like. What mm-hmm. can I do to expand my content? What can I do to um, be more? Um, uh, I don't know. Be more uh, inclusive. What can I do to do? What can I do to expand myself? Mm-hmm. And if you don't ask these questions, then you're just gonna remain being mediocre. Mm-hmm. And so many things, man. Whenever I'm not good at something now, I just go to Google and I go to YouTube and watch hours of things and I talk to people. I don't blame motherfuckers for what I'm not. Yeah. Your life is about you, man. I, to me, I like, you know, I've been on this like uh this lifelong like learning journey mm-hmm. and I realize like if there's a part department that I'm not that great in, there is something out there that can help me increase my skills in that. A hundred percent. It could be you anything. Know, man. Audio books or mm-hmm. like, you know, and they, they talked about, um, uh, Warren Buffett had this idea about like if if a person just become became a better communicator, how much more successful they would be. hundred percent. And we don't even think about the little the little stuff. Even like mm-hmm. you know, I was uh, talking to my girl earlier, and we were talking about. Um, like comedy and right. I was like and we you know we talked about it and you know it I don't want to put anybody out there but there's been situations where we, you know we've been open mics or something like that and the the comic that went up didn't really get as much laughs as mm. you know other comics or as we did and I was saying that like for those people they can actually still be funnier like yes. they might they might just not 
naturally be that funny. Right. But if they studied comedy, if they realize, oh, this is how you set up a joke. Right. You know, this is how I can utilize my day to day life and, you know, make it funny. Right. This is how you set up a joke. This is the punchline. This is how you build on it. So, you know, just those kind of things, because like we all come to life or come into this world with a certain level level of just natural ability. Right. And anything. Yeah. But what you can do because we're we have a higher consciousness as a human being, you can get better at things. Yes. You can get stronger. You can be you can, you know, grow your knowledge if you want to be a podcaster, but you find yourself uh, using a lot of ums and whatever and, you know, uh, stumbling over your words. You can utilize skills to make yourself better. And that's the beautiful thing about life. So, you know, for those people out there that are just like furious that people aren't um, gravitating towards your content, what you should do is utilize that time that people aren't looking at what you're doing to just keep getting better. Yeah, you have to. I think that at some point there's no real excuse for why you're not great at something. Sometimes you have restrictions that are natural and it's completely understandable, Mm -hmm. but there's so many avenues you could go down. Like if you don't know how to cook, there's YouTube, there's Google. There's no excuse. You can still no make excuses. you can make a beautiful meal. You know, when people say I can't cook, I'm just like, no, you're not trying to cook. There's yeah. a difference. Yeah, facts. You know what's funny too? You can also tell when people aren't applying themselves when they ask you, Hey man, how do I start a podcast? And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, you don't really want to do one. Yeah. There's too much information. There's too much fucking information on YouTube. There's too much information on Google. There's too much information from the podcast that you listen to. You're not taking in information. You just want the clout. Damn. You want the clout. You don't. You really don't care. Yeah, I want to cut you off. I want you to finish your point. But somebody uh, recently contacted me, and it was it was a similar situation. Mm -hmm. It was you know, asking me to uh, sit down with them and help them with this thing. And I want to say specifically, but what I will say is like the information I have is not, I'm not no professor. I'm not no wizard at whatever this is, but the person asking me would probably do much better in life. Just looking at YouTube videos. Yeah. It's probably way more efficient because the person that curated that YouTube video actually sat down and was like, Hey, this is how you do this. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a stupid intro at the beginning, like all kind of stupid music and special effects and words flying around. But at the the beginning, I'm like, Hey guys, it's Keith fingers here. We're going to show you how to do this today, (laughs) you know, and it's going to be a three minute video. And if you sit through it, you're going to be a master at the end of that. Do that YouTube voice again. Hey guys, this is Keith fingers. Welcome to my video. This is a stupid ass accent, but Hey guys, this is cool. Hey, I'm glad you're listening. Subscribe down at the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, can you imagine if you did that voice? before you had sex <laughs> hey guys this is my dick and i'm inserted right in you <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to subscribe don't forget to subscribe to my penis <laughs> oh man uh, that's crazy yeah yeah but you're not most people aren't applying themselves man yeah and that's the craziest thing i you when you said that it just dawned on me i was like because mm. i be i had been thinking that a little bit as far as like people asking you for help right but it never, it never really, I don't think I ever heard anybody like really verbalize it. Like, mm-hmm. yo, like if you asking, if you asking me for help doing any type of thing as far as like filming or editing or, you know, anything about a camera that's that that type of information is out in the world, mm-hmm. then you don't really want it. 
The right. same thing with podcasting. If you're asking me like what you should buy or whatever, then you probably don't really want it. Yeah. You know. Well, no, I take I, I disagree with that one small point. You're right, mm-hmm. but if you're asking me for equipment, like what equipment do you use? Yeah. That's different. You might want it. Because I had somebody ask me for uh, equipment that, that that we use, and I mm-hmm. just gave them all the links. Uh-huh. And I was like, boom, here it is. Boom. I want to give you everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And, and if you don't do something with what I gave you, then you never fucking wanted it. Yeah. Because we real, we're actual podcasters. We're yeah. really in this. This is episode 153. Like, this is not a game. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. That's what, we freestyling, so it ain't going to come out great all the, all the time. Right. But there's a certain level of, like... um. When so for me, for instance, I I have a, a, a app and it's on the app store. Right. Right. Plug that app, dude. Plug it's it. called uh, it's called Apollo 16. If you're a songwriter out there, make sure you go to the um, the, the Android store and the, the, the uh, I forget the name of the stores because they like they sound similar, but they're not the same. It's like yeah, the Play Store Apple and it's store? the App Store. Yeah. yeah. So I begin to confuse all the time. But, you know, go search it. Apollo 16 is a songwriting app. Um, but. I say that to say, like, a lot of the stuff that I want to do in my personal life, I can't run to anybody. Right. <laughs> so for me, when I want to do something, right. I have to go to Google. Mm-hmm. I have to go, you know, just pay for the information. I have right. to, like, <clears throat> even, you know, with my app, I, I talked to my boy Brent because Brent is building an app also. Yeah, it's is. called Mioji. Or Mioji. it's out. It's you, out. Could, you could go download it. But similar, like, it's like, and he, like, low key, um, I I asked him like certain things, but I was already moving. He's already direction. moving. There you go. Yeah, so he kind of like gave me some light, and it kind of like like sparked this idea in my mind. Like, okay, I could I could I could do this. I need to just go finish it. But I say that out all that to say like, um, sometimes like when you when you do it in this manner, when you go straight to YouTube University, when you buy an audio book, mm-hmm. when you buy a book, it's gonna be so much more fulfilling. Um, and it's going to be so much more informative because when, when when you think about like when you when you when it comes to asking certain people for how to start things or what to do or what what we should do, and you come into that situation as a freaking novice, right. like it's 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 that conversation is gonna not going to go that well because you're starting from ground zero. A hundred percent. If I if I'm a person sitting at home and you know this is me outside of myself. If I'm a person that's like, you know, maybe I've been recording myself on camera, just, you know, you know, trying to get out different content and stuff like that. And I got like 20 videos that I may not have released, but I'm just practicing and practicing. Mm -hmm. And then I hit up Eddie like, Hey man, how should I start a podcast? Like I've been practicing and I don't exactly know. Yeah. That conversation is going to go much different Mm -hmm. than a person that's just like, Hey man, I think I want to start a podcast. What should I do? That's way a hundred percent. You know, the biggest slap in the face to somebody that's done the work. Okay. Keith's got literally has a, has a whole app is out. He has an app that's released and out Mm -hmm. for consumption. Right. Mm -hmm. The biggest slap in the face to Keith's to be like, Hey, how you do that, man? Mm -hmm. That's the biggest fucking slap in the face because you have done zero work and you're expecting from me to supply you with the information that I searched to hell and high water for I spent a lot of money, a lot of fucking money yeah. to get this thing off the ground. And you got the nerd to just ask me, here's the difference. Mm-hmm. If you come and ask me and say, Hey, Keith, I went through here. I seen what you like. I, I looked up coding. I looked up this. I looked up that. I looked up this the other day. And I know you need to have this much money to start this. So what do I do next to get my app off the ground? 
Now we have a different conversation yeah. because I can see you're serious. You're doing the work and I don't have to completely fucking spell it out for you. Yeah. Right. It's true. Now we got a whole different ballpark here. So, folks, if you ever ask someone for advice, make sure you're already moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. Don't just be like, I don't know shit. Let me go ask Billy Bob. Billy Bob is going to tell you to go fuck yourself. Okay? Yeah. That ain't cool. Uh, Another thing, too, is honestly, if you're really serious about something, the question should be, how do I boom? Now, if you say, how do I boom? That means you're you're willing to supply that information yourself. Not supply, but you're you're willing to seek it. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no real excuse to just not know anything. The one thing what I realized, too, is that there are people that are more comfortable asking a friend or associate family member than going and doing the 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 work doing right. the research doing their due diligence it's it's very easy for me to get on the phone and be like hey Eddie how do you start a podcast versus like it's actually in 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 real life it's easier to get on Google or YouTube and like mm-hmm. figure that out but you know, for some people, it's much more comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, asking like, hey, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I do that? Use you know? the word comfort, right? Mm-hmm. Get out of your fucking comfort zone. Yeah. Don't call me when you could go do it yourself. Mm-hmm. It may be uncomfortable because you're a little too fucking lazy to go look for it yourself. Yeah. But I mean, if you don't hunt, you don't eat. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's true in a lot of different uh, facets in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, what I will say also is this, too. You can literally learn how to do anything now. There's just too much information. You shouldn't be signing bad record deals no more. There's too much information. Oh, man. Come you, on now. You, you can't. You, you, you shouldn't be half-assed starting a podcast and not learning what it takes. I started doing comedy not that long ago, right? But even before I went on stage, a couple days before, I looked up a different video, different videos, and they talk about stage fright. There's a guy that has been doing comedy like 10 years, and he still says... He still has stage fright mm-hmm. because going up on stage is a certain amount of healthy fear that you have. Yeah. And, you know, you're basically being affirmed by a crowd of strangers. Right. So he talked about how when you get up on stage, you got the mic stand, put it behind you. So you're not tripping over the fucking sh- over the fucking mic stand. He talked about being as close to the front of the stage as possible. So people know that you're not afraid, you know, because if you come off afraid, people will be more uh, uh, kind of. What's the word? Reluctant to laugh at a lot of your shit because you don't even seem confident. Yeah. So you need to like pour out confidence, make yourself huge, meaning, you know, keep your chest up, get your arms out, try to interact with the crowd. That shit matters, man. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I looked that thing, looked up those things, they help when I'm on stage. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He talked about when you feel like you're bombing, use it as an experiment to take the joke a little bit further. And you could tell by the tone of the audience if they're like, they had enough of the joke or you should move on. Mm-hmm. There's all kind of things you can do to get better is all I'm saying. Yeah. Like, there's no reason why you should be even bad at sex. There's so many books, books. So many yeah. books. There's so many fucking pills you could take. There's so yeah. much stuff you could learn. Dr. Miami. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't want that. <laughs> you don't, you don't want to attach a 13-inch dick onto your body, man. That's crazy. That'll be crazy, dude. Imagine imagine that, dude. I feel what if bad. they just inserted a slinky into your penis? What would that motherfucker just hang? <laughs> <laughs> because if you did if you get the implant, right? Yeah. I don't even know how that works. I don't but know. But you only have so much like meat 
attached right. to your, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, your right, part. Right, right. So like if it's like a slinky where it could kind of retract, at least it's like a little bit more natural. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be embarrassing though. You mm. just walking around, your dick just, just like wow. <laughs> That was funny. Your gray sweat game would be crazy. <laughs> that was funny. Oh, man. All right. How did we get there? All right. Switching gears. Um, recently, uh, the rapper Boosie, um, he called Michael B. Jordan a simp uh, for dating Lori Harvey. Yeah. Basically uh, making a statement that he would not uh, date a woman that has her dating past. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me go ahead and uh, go through that article really quick. All right. Boosie Badass doubles down on his Lori Harvey statements in I Said What I Said. Uh, hmm. Boosie Badass has read and heard all the backlash of his comments on Lori Harvey and is here to tell you that he doesn't care. Uh, to recap, Boosie found his friend Vlad again to talk s- some more and stated, I think we need to stop giving the women the power in- with situations like this. Boosie added, we got to start giving the bachelors, the men who are running through a beautiful woman like this, the credit who not housing her running through her what the fuck um the internet clapped back at boozy and then he let everyone know how he feels uh why would you want to hate on lori for i just say y'all got it fucked up saying let's go if you saying let's not let's go that means you want your daughter to fuck seven or eight nine niggas in in a couple months in the industry he would double down on this statement by uh, but what's wrong with y'all motherfuckers is y'all salute the woman who get passed around, but y'all dog the the woman who stick by her nigga when they nigga fuck over. Okay, this guy's just too dumb. I can't keep reading this shit. All right. Here's my problem with this. First of all, Boosie, you got to watch what you say, man. Mm-hmm. Like, to be the person you are, you should never even ever expect a good woman because you could never get one. Yeah. Like a, a truly decent human being that's a woman would never want Boosie. They just wouldn't. Mm-hmm. This guy is a clusterfuck. This guy is a mess of a man to make this statement. And I, I say this because here's the deal, man. Um, it's Boosie for Christ's sake. This nigga's got something to say about everybody. What that's I, what he's the, the sad part is that's what he's turned into. Oh yeah. Like he, he came he came in the game as a rapper, but now yeah. he's just like a cultural commentator. Yeah. This guy is everywhere. He was even in Bakersfield last year. Yeah. He went to Papa Hill's Fish Grill. Yeah. He's like, Papa Hill, Fish and Grill, Bakersfield. And they, what did he say? They brought the South to be. Yeah, they the bought South. Baton Rouge out to California. <laughs> this shit good. <laughs> that was comedy. Yeah, man. Here's, a, here's my problem. Okay. Lori Harvey, here's the difference. I got nothing bad to say about Lori Harvey, and here's why. Because I realize how the average american woman moves in society the difference between lori harvey and the average woman is the fact that lori harvey's life is being played out in front of everyone yeah that's the biggest difference a lot of women are serial daters a lot of men date a lot a lot of women date a lot of different dudes a lot of women go through whole phases that they will never fucking admit if you if if you knew the true history of the woman that you call your wife or girlfriend, you probably would be turned off. Yeah. Right. But here's the difference. I'm not judging her for whatever she's doing because men, we are on the opposite side of the same experience mm-hmm. of the women that we tend to scrutinize. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure little boozy has a crazy, weird, wild sex past. 
right? Yeah. But he's talking about her. I got nothing bad to say about Lori Harvey. Matter of fact, me and you were talking about this earlier, and uh, Joe Budden has said, we don't even know what Lori Harvey sounds like. Wait, she, don't be, she, don't, she ain't doing no interviews. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, she's just chilling. And the mm-hmm. thing about it is, that's probably why these men like her so much, because she probably just played behind the scenes. She laid back. She fine as a motherfucker. She's doing her thing. Mm-hmm. Lori Harvey is bad. She is sexy. So we're not even going to go there. She fine as hell. Mm-hmm. So, of course, she's attracting these dudes. Like the, the thing, the thing you said about the whole face too is, um, she's twenty four years old. Oh, she's very young. Yeah, she's so. enjoying. She's enjoying dick right now. Just leave her yeah, alone. Yeah, yeah. Most women at twenty four, y'all was enjoying dick too. What one thing that goes like kind of, uh, I guess, get swept under the rug by Boosie statements is the fact that she might be a solid girl. Yes, you know, for for Michael B. Jordan, we obviously we don't know much about him, but he he has I don't know of any public relationship that he's had. Right. So yeah. for somebody um, to come out of the woodworks and you know post this girl on his story and right. on his timeline and stuff like that and be all giddy with that person, like she must be doing something right. He don't come to me. He doesn't yeah. come off as a person that's just out here like that would just put any old girl. And right. I'm sure he's he's been acting for a while, so I'm sure he's oh, had yeah. his fair share of women. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just, I just, I, my thing is, is because being realistic, I see all sides of it. I think, because yeah. me and Michael B around the same age. Michael, like, was he, 34? 34, yeah. Yeah, I'm 35. <laughs> so me and Michael B around the same age. If I'm Michael B and I'm, you know, this handsome, rich, actor one of the top black actors in all of hollywood yeah and i got this fine chocolate chick that's been giving me attention you got damn right i'm gonna fucking see what's going on yeah it doesn't mean i'm gonna go public but if she's a decent woman and they see me out with her i'm not gonna deny that hey yeah me and her are together you Mm -hmm. know but look i got nothing bad to say about Lori harvey because realistically i know that most women are are they probably would want the life that Lori has at that age. Yeah. Because of the average 23, 24, the biggest whole phases for men and women happen from the age of 18 to about 24 years old. Mm-hmm. That's when the biggest whole phase is going on completely at yeah. that moment. She probably clocked out. Yeah. She might have clocked out of the whole phase. <laughs> the, she, her shift might be over. <laughs> and niggas, you, the thing about it too is like that the only thing that those people have to stand on is that they probably slept with her oh yeah big big deal yeah yeah but this is like it's it's that's cool um but you know it it may work hopefully it works out you know there's nothing wrong with seeing like successful couples i think that's what people should all you know aspire to right yeah 100 um i don't know man I, i think i think that if men the thing too is a lot of men have this problem where they think like Oh, I don't want to date a girl that, you know, did this or this or that or blah, blah, blah. Right. But here's the problem, dog. You you don't know who your girlfriend or wife was before you met them. Like, I'm not going to say any names, but there's somebody that I know. And back in the day, me and her uh, will say this is like 2011. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's before I even had my apartment. And after work, I remember one time I smashed this chick outside in a parking lot. Right. So <laughs> I smashed this chick. Daddy nasty. <laughs> no, hold on. But see, many people have had these same experiences. A lot of women listen to it. You've been fucked in the back of cars. God damn. You've been fucked in the park. You've been all kinds of shit you've been through. You've been fucked at parties. 
All of us go through this shit. So, for example, this chick, I fucked her outside in a parking lot, right? Mm-hmm. And then flash forward to now, she's married with two kids, happily married. Do you want? I, can you imagine what her her husband would think if she if he knew that she was fucking a black guy outside in a parking lot, fucking in 2011? Yeah. Right. But yeah. see, this is the type of shit no one's ever going to mention. Right. You're never going to see this. But these are the type of lies and experience that women have had, because as men, we've been on the opposite side of the same experience. Yeah. We need to stop as men. We need to stop acting like I mess with no girl unless she only be with three dudes. Like, are you a fucking moron? I think a woman that is around the age of 30, if they've only had sex with with 35 to 50 dudes, that's not so bad. Can we be honest here? Mm-hmm. Can we be honest here? Because women are fucking. Whether you want, <laughs> whether you want to believe it or not, women are getting fucked every day. Okay. I think, I think honestly, as a man, like, in, no matter what capacity, that's a hurdle that you know you have to get over. You got to get over it. So the number is not even like I don't even think the number is significant. I don't want to know be, your number. I don't want to fucking know it. What I, What I'm saying is that <laughs> if it's if it's half a man, if she if she if she got digged down by a midget. It would be like it still would be an issue. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up, though. What if what if it was a midget with a big old dick? <laughs> I, I, we couldn't do it. Just, yes. <laughs> couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Not no midget. That'd be crazy. It'd be a midget with a uh, with a nine inch dick. <laughs> Nigga, be three foot five, <laughs> piping your ex down. Damn. Yeah, but I think I think that's like one of those things. Like it's I think. There's a, there's probably an element of like misogyn misogyny to that. I would say know? so. I would yeah, say, and, and he, that's something that I you know deal with on in in my personal life. Like you know, just this idea, like what Boosie is essentially saying is, if she, she he said that she would only get like he said basically he would only hit her and quit her because she's been with every rapper, right? Mm. And um, that that idea has like a little bit of merit just because like when we see celebrities from the outside looking in, it seems like everybody is friends or buddy. buddy. Right, 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 right. In reality, when you're inside of that, you realize that these people, they may have a song together, but they're not friends. They don't right. talk to each other on a day to day basis. Um, so that's the only reason li- like why it looks weird. But right. if Lori Harvey and whoever she's been with like, you know, four celebrities or something like, like that future and, um, whoever, I don't know. I, I'm not really that invested. Yeah. I'm not that invested, but if that was just a normal girl, she been with five, six dudes by the time she's 24, like it probably wouldn't, wouldn't be that big of a deal, but it is a big, of that big of a deal because like I said, these are celebrities and we see her or we hear her name mentioned in songs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But also we have to think about the fact that what if she's the one that's gaming these dudes up? A hundred percent. She probably got some, her sex game, probably 10.5, 10.5. We are underestimating the, the, uh, the, the WAP meter on yeah. that one. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Some, yeah, yeah she probably got. Yeah, she's twenty four too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she got a lot of probably got a lot of juice, a lot yeah, of juice down experience. there. Experience, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, here's the thing too. I heard it was some it was some men talking about yeah, you know, man, these dudes need to learn. You can't turn no hoe into a housewife and all of this. And I think about it like this: that's complete fucking bullshit. That's some bullshit. Of, some, of, some hoes be. No, I'll let you most finish. most women that I know that were out there. That were throwing that pussy all around all these clubs back at Azul's and Club Bricks and Cabana Palms and 
They are wives now, homie. Man. They are wives. And the most of these dudes that was fucking all these girls, they are fathers now. Mm-hmm. So the whole notion you can't turn a whore into a housewife is a fucking lie. Because most of the people that be fucking everybody, they have wives and, and the women, they're married and they got kids. Think about it like, okay, you, I could go even, even deeper now. Think about your parents. Do you think they didn't have a wild past because before they were your fucking parents? Mm-hmm. Your parents could have been on LSD and having sex at Woodstock. You don't you know what the f- was, you probably was an accident. You yeah. probably was an accident. Your they, dad was probably sleeping with three, four women. But just- yeah, they probably they probably went to Burning Man and <laughs> they fucking Burning had man. you. Right? You <laughs> never crazy. know. Yeah. So yeah, we gotta cut this bullshit out, man. Like yeah. a, as a man, here's the thing: if if you feel like a woman, and most women, by the fact, by the way, have a peppered past. Yeah. Most. I'm not saying all. But most of them, because women are human, men are human. And like I mentioned a million times, we're on the same, we're on opposite sides of the same experience. I just don't feel the need to ask you. By the way, fellas, if a woman asks you how many, how many women you've had sex with, don't even answer the fucking question. Yeah. It's a waste of time. What are you supposed to say, though? Nothing. Don't say anything. That's just my advice. Don't answer. But you you can't. You can't not answer that question. Yes, you can because if you this this is how you flip it on them. If a woman asks you that question, say, "Hey, look, don't ask me that fucking question if you're not willing to honestly respond to it." Yeah. If you're not willing to do it, don't worry about what the fuck I did. What the fuck did you do? Yeah. But (laughs) what if she is willing to put it on the table? If she's willing to put it on the table, cool, fine. Mm -hmm. What is that going to prove? What is it going to prove if I what's the right? There's no right number. If I said the number is 60. Oh, my God. There's so many girls. If I say nine, you're lying. There's no fucking right answer to that dumbass question. I just don't feel like the thing about it is this. It makes sense. You can't ask. You can't answer the question depending on Mm -hmm. the dynamics of your relationship. But honestly, there's no right answer to that fucking question. I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's the goal of it. I think yeah. to me, I wouldn't suggest that to any man. I think right. if you, if you're in a relationship and your partner asks you that, I think you should answer it honestly, mm-hmm. um, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But I, I, but if it's not brought up, then you know, just go about your life. Yeah, but yeah, right. It's basically like women really will ask you that question if they are on the fence about how much pussy that they think you've gotten or or can get. Yeah. If women consider you a catch, they're going to ask you that question. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, I know I'm not the only one attracted to this motherfucker. Yeah. I know women were throwing pussy at this guy before I got with him. Mm-hmm. So let me let how me. How much pussy did he catch? How much pussy did he catch? Did he have a net? Is he, is he, he a Jerry Rice? Of- <laughs> yeah. How much pussy did he catch? Did he have a net or a fishing hook? <laughs> God damn. Hey, man, it's the truth. Some women out here with dudes that was fucking everybody back in the day. Yeah. Yes. It's just the only bad part about that is I feel like if you that person, it's it's a little as far as a guy, it's a little bit harder for you to slow down. Mm, so true. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's a tough one. But Yeah, man. I don't know. Yeah. One of those things. Um what I will say ultimately is this. Um look, man, don't don't be quick to shit on a woman that's uh, that's living out her life that's it's put on a platform because there are a million women just like her living the same life but it's not put in the lights mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. are you going to shame every one of them yeah they, they might i mean to- we know people personally oh that yeah if we if we as our inner circle were like celebrities it would look the same way right you know it would be 
you know, this rapper, this comedian, this podcaster um, would be on this like people's hit list. Yeah. But, you know, we're not celebrities. So, right. It I'm, doesn't I'm, get the same. Life. At the end of the day, a lot of people can write a whole novel on the type of sex they had. Yeah. Yes. But oh, yeah, women probably got some crazy stories. You know, they can write a novel about all the spontaneous sex they had. Like, you know, this one time we was over, um, we was at Albertsons. You be like, Albertsons? Yeah. Yeah, we was in the frozen food section and ah. we, we just started having sex. You be like, oh my God, <laughs> who am I with? Yeah. Jeez. I feel like at, at the end of the day, if the person is a, is a solid person, right. like, that's just something you gonna have to get over. You have no choice because it, it goes it goes the same way. If a, if a per, if a woman say a woman she may have been in I don't know what a good number is. Say she only had like four dudes mm-hmm. in her past, mm-hmm. and then she come across a rapper or a dude like Boosie, and she, and Boosie is like you know my number is crazy. I didn't had sex with 200, 300 women in my mm-hmm. past tours and all that. What if? That what if a woman kept that same energy with him? Mm. Like, ah, oh, no, nah, I don't want no dude that slept with t- three hundred women. Right, like, you a hoe? I don't want to. Yeah, you're not sticking that in me. Right, you yeah. know. So nah. that that's that's what men we have to start realizing. Like, hundred you know, percent, we all have both genders have history. Yep, you got to be what you you got to be what you want to attract. Uh-huh. You can't be fucking two hundred and twenty women, and you want a girl that's only fucking six guys. That don't even make it. Don't, don't, don't make sense. The that's, ma- that's the math. It don't add up. It don't add up, man. Yeah. You talk about the. I don't like using the the M word uh, misogyny, but that, mm-hmm. I think that's a very good way to describe that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it is. Mm-hmm. All right, switching gears. Uh, recently, uh, the movie Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, it was a great film. I actually just got through watching it. Um. Mm-hmm. Let me give you the what do you call it the uh, what uh, was it a synopsis of yeah, the film? Yeah. Uh, okay. Here's the overview. Um, it's just basically uh, offered a plea by the offered a plea deal by the FBI. William O'Neill infiltrates the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party to gather intelligence on Chairman Fred Hampton. All right, this is a true story. Okay. Um, a lot of people don't realize this. I've heard people say wild shit about the Black Panther Party and calling them terrorists. And, you know, they were just terrorists, just like they're they're all they were with a black version of the KKK. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. What what you need, what people need to understand, ultimately, because I don't want to veer too far off, is the Black Panther Party was a response to uh, to white supremacy in America. Right mm-hmm. now. This might make some white people uncomfortable. Just know that if you're not a white supremacist, this is not something that should bother you at all. Mm-hmm. This is just American history. Mm-hmm. Um, and the FBI attempted to infiltrate, and they actually did infiltrate. I was going to say, they didn't attempt. They did. <laughs> yeah. uh, they did by using uh, somebody with a checkered pass, a black person with a checkered pass, and they would put a wire on him and have him get, get close to the leader's to do these things, but this same energy was not done with the KKK. The KKK is still not labeled a terrorist group. Mm-hmm. So this gives you an idea of what America has done to people who uh, have been black in America. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but this film does it, it, it highlights it. It does a good job of basically telling the story of William O'Neill um, and the FBI who was doing a lot of illegal shit. They were paying him to get information. Um, they were taking advantage of someone. One one person, I think it was 
Daniel Kaluuya mm-hmm. or the director Shaka Shaka King. Yeah. One of them said, I think it was Shaka King. He said that they seduced William O'Neill. So mm. I thought that was an interesting, interesting word. Yeah, because um, they kind of put money in front of his face, mm-hmm. fed him cigars, mm-hmm. drinks, and stuff. Yeah, they so. did. Uh, they brainwashed him, and they gave him the equivalence of two hundred thousand dollars in today's money. That was at the end of the film. The three hundred, or you meant the? No, they gave him a total of two hundred thousand dollars in today's the, money over the for over that the time. course of that. That yeah. few months that he was doing that, yeah. oh, dang, got yeah. another. That. that was at the end of the film in the small print. Mm-hmm. So he was given a lot of money to infiltrate them. Um, and yeah, um, basically, we'll get into the, the film, but the same person who they used to infiltrate, um, they did an interview with him later um, in like 1989, I believe it was. And on there, he talked a little bit about it, but he took his own life the same day. Mm-hmm. So it gives you an idea of how badly he felt about the situation. Yeah, but we'll get in more into that. Yeah, it's 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 one of those movies. Um, I think any it don't matter what uh, race or what creed, whatever age. I think everyone needs to see this movie. Um, I think you know we'll we'll get into the movie more, but just my overview of it. Um, just thinking about the movie, I was I was devastated like for a couple of days after that movie, like after the movie went off, I was just sitting there and thinking like, this is wild. Like just thinking about how much or how difficult it is for us to try to get ahead. And you see what Fred, Fred Hampton is doing in the film. He's creating the rainbow, rainbow coalition, the free breakfast is right. all this kind of things. He walk, he walking into, you know, uh, I guess it was a Klan rally or something, a Confederate flag hanging up there. And he's speaking to these people in a manner in which they were essentially got on his side. He basically is like, yo, you guys are poor. We're poor. You know, our areas are underfunded. Your areas are underfunded. Like, let's link up and uh, fight against the the government who's really like oppressing our people. Right. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think that's the most that is the most powerful part of the whole film. Folks, stop what you're doing and go to Google and look up the Rainbow Coalition. The Rainbow Coalition was created by Fred Hampton. But basically what it was is 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 Fred Hampton would go into these underserved communities that also were white. Right. It was poor, low class whites. Imagine like Oildale in the 60s. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, if it didn't have the oil boom or whatever. And it was just a ran downtown. But he basically walked into this meeting and it was a bunch of of, of poor white people. And uh, the dude was talking and there was a Confederate flag in the background. And Fred Hampton walked up and they were like, what the, f- what the fuck is he doing here? Yeah. Right. And Fred Hampton w- did a great job of actually speaking to people. So um, one of the pe- one of the dudes that were with Fred Hampton said, like, what are you doing with that flag? Like that flag flying, you know, it hung people, hung my people or whatever. Yeah. And then Fred Hampton said, yeah, the same people that were slaves rebelled and killed the slave master. Like basically saying, like, look, like we are in this together. Right. So he made he did a good job of being inclusive to everyone. Mm -hmm. And he spoke to these poor class white people and they all formed a coalition. So it was poor whites, blacks and Puerto Ricans Mm -hmm. that all came together to create the Rainbow Coalition. 
Yeah, and I think that's, that's unheard of. That's unfucking heard of in the '60s. Mm-hmm. This is what people don't understand when they talk about the Black Panthers. Like they were a terrorist group, and they were just black and blah blah blah. No, the Rainbow Coalition had whites and Puerto Ricans in it. Mm-hmm. This is American history. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me was the most important part of the whole film. I think that like not knowing this type of shit in school, like this stuff was never taught. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of sad that we don't know all the nuances of these things that are incredibly important. We we and then we also don't know about how incredibly racist the FBI was. Yeah. J. Edgar Hoover was purposely getting and manipulating black young men who may have had a peppered past and trying to get them to infiltrate these organizations, which he did, and then they were ending up dying. And he knew that these black leaders were dying and he was fine with it. In fact, there was an informant that got killed. There was an informant that was killed. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, you know, here's the problem. This may sound conspiratorial and some of the things in the film may come off as conspiratorial. But when these black leaders were dying and J. Edgar Hoover was fine with it, you have to understand that the FBI is not going to investigate itself. Yeah. Imagine how much power you have if you're the investigator and no one can investigate you. Right. So just think about that. And yeah, it's, it was it was a whole lot of that shit going on in the film. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things, too. Um, one of one of the things that stood out to me was this idea that um, William uh, William O'Neill, he was. So this the movie starts off with uh, William O'Neill essentially going in and trying to steal somebody's car. Like right. he goes in and he poses as a, a FBI agent. He kind of has his hat down. You don't really see his face, but he kind of um, starts to try to bully people. And then he takes the person's keys. And then after a while, the people kind of catch on. And then they're like, "Hey, you ain't no real, you ain't no real police officer or anything like that." So he takes the keys. He runs to the car. They're trying to stab him. They're trying to get the car back and all these things. And uh, he kind of takes off and then he, he gets arrested. And then that's when he kind of gets brought in is like they the they FBI uses him that as an opportunity to for him to infiltrate the Black Panthers. Um, so he gets in there. He gets in with the Black Panthers. He's kind of moving and grooving. And then eventually he goes and meets uh, Fred Hampton, sets up a meeting with the, the gang in Chicago. I uh, called the What are they called? The Crowns? Yeah. The Crowns. He meets the Crowns and it's like warehouse space or something like that. And uh, they're all having this meeting and then someone recognizes William from that altercation at the beginning of the movie. And he's trying to like hide his face and stuff like that. And then someone's before the the person that's yelling or that recognized him was really able to get out what he was saying. Somebody checked him real quick. They punched him and it was like, yo, you speaking out of turn. Make sure you right, apologize. Right. Yeah. Like some real militant type stuff. Um, so after that situation happened, you know, the the other Black Panthers that were in that meeting um, with William was like, yo, like, what's the deal? Like, you know, people saying you FBI agent, what's, what's going on? And him kind of being quick witted, thinking on his feet, um, probably from all the stealing and petty theft that he was doing. He flipped the, the narrative. Like, the only reason I did that is because I posed as an FBI right. agent and the, the theme of his whole the way he moved. Um, he has like a like I guess he has a. Uh, like a, economics to the way he moved. So basically he was saying that the the reason why I pose as a police officer or FBI agent is because people are scared of the police, the police versus weapons. He was like, I didn't go in there with weapons. I would go in there with a, with a badge and whatnot. So that's bringing that full circle 
to how he infiltrated um, the Black Panthers, it essentially brings back that theme again because he was so scared of they 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 told him that he was do two to five years for what he did right mm-hmm. for stealing the car or whatever. But he was so scared of the 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 feds that he would put his um, his own life at risk you know, dealing with the Black Panthers and even knowing that an other informant died, that still didn't steer him away from being an informant because he was more afraid of the police than the Black Panthers finding out that he was an informant. Right. So, yeah, that was just wild to me that, you know, that and we still think that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was crazy how he was able to get away with stealing cars by taking someone's keys <laughs> And using a fake badge to get it, yeah. right? Because he knew that they were afraid of, mm-hmm. uh, especially in those neighborhoods, they were afraid of the police. He's mm-hmm. like, man, why are you fucking with him? He's just a kid and all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was nuts. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that, um, yeah, it's sad. Fred Hampton died at 21 years old, man. That's the, that's the beautiful part about the movie. Right. Because this whole time you're watching this movie as just two individuals. You don't actually... You're not thinking about their age at all in the movie. No. You know, we we also obviously knew he was grown and, you know, over the age of 18. But not until that first flash pops on the screen with that text that Fred Hampton died when he was 21 years old, that right. everybody was mind blown. Like, yo, 21? Like, you mean to tell me he was doing all this and he was barely able to drink alcohol? So. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I think... uh Ultimately, what we fail to realize is these revolutionaries were so fucking young. Yeah. I would assume by, you know, I didn't know enough about Fred Hampton. I think this also brings a lot of black people up to speed on a lot of leaders from back then that, mm-hmm. that played a pivotal role. Um, one thing I do like about this film is it did not paint the Panthers as this angel like group of people. Mm-hmm. The Black Panthers were known for fighting fire with fire. So if you try to intimidate them, they will shoot and they will kill you. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's be clear. We're not going to be on here like the, the Black Panthers were. They were a peaceful group. They were peaceful. But if you push them, they would push back. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. They were an organized group of black people who did things for the black community that fed kids that were creating, they was trying to create hospitals, all kind of thing, free healthcare. Mm-hmm. But if you push them, they push you back. They showed them in the film, clear as day shooting cops, right? But it was because of how the police presence in the neighborhood was. You got to understand in the 60s, you're fresh off redlining. We've talked about redlining many times on this podcast. Redlining mm-hmm. was an extremely egregious form of housing discrimination mm-hmm. that pushed blacks and kept them in these neighborhoods, did not allow them to get proper home loans. And it, the suburbs was created for white people. Mm-hmm. What do you call it? They call it, it's not subsidized. I think it's subsidized housing mm-hmm. where they basically let a lot of white people into the suburbs. And, and it was based on the fact that the government was redlining people. And it was these underserved, these underserved areas with limited resources and Fred Hampton even knew back then that, hey, we need to get these kids fed. He was feeding these kids and mm-hmm. doing all these things. But if there were any situations with the police, there was Black Panthers that were shooting at the police. Mm-hmm. This is documented. OK, mm-hmm. so the problem with it is they get people get a one sided view and just look at the Black Panthers shooting at the police. Nah, the police, they they they're this is all documented. They were on 
megaphones and random black people be walking by. Hey, look, it's on Jemima. Hey, you know, oh, oh, no, that's Harriet Tubman. There was a lot of disrespect towards African-Americans, mm-hmm. black people in these areas from the police. You got to understand what the time frame was. Mm-hmm. OK, people need to understand also that the origin in which something starts, it doesn't dwindle too far. So when black people start as being serves servers of people, slaves, then they get freed. A lot of times what happens, there is a, a there is a sector of America that say, hey, black people, they're fine. They're just like me. I, like, I don't think I'm better than anyone. And there is also a sector of Americans that are like, man, fuck them. They're not better than me. They're nobodies. Mm-hmm. And this whole ideology is kept throughout history, whether yeah. it's from segregation, redlining, um uh uh jim crow all these things yeah what did uh j edgar hoover asked that uh agent in the film yeah j edgar hoover asked one of the agents in the film and said what are you going to do when a negro boy when your daughter brings a negro boy home and he was like what is why is this important right and he was like what are you going to do if your daughter brings a negro boy home and then he's like he still kind of jumped around the question he said look I just need to know what you're going to do. And he said, that wouldn't happen. He's like, we need, and basically what he wanted to make sure that that agent hated black people before he went forward with the investigation. Mm-hmm. He basically, Jagger Hoover was insinuating that the best way is to kill them. Mm-hmm. This is all documented. You do mm-hmm. not have to believe me. Instead of even, instead of even watching the black Messiah, make sure you look up J. Edgar Hoover's, history with the Black Panthers and how hard he worked to try to break down everything they're doing. Have you noticed that every, if, if, if you question if racism has existed in America, why has every black figure been killed? Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Fred Hampton, it goes on and on. Yeah. And it's happened over and over. A lot of it was because the FBI have infiltrated them and caused these things to happen. Now, it could sound conspiratorial, but you have to understand, like I said before, if you're an investigator and no one can investigate you, imagine what you can get away with. Yeah. We, we know firsthand, I was telling you on the phone, like we know police officers that got slaps on the wrist for doing crazy shit. Stuff, people that would get, um, the average citizen would get 20 years for oh, 30 yeah. years, all kind of stuff like that. So, oh, yeah. you know, when you, when you in there and you in that, the good old boys club or yeah. whatever you call it, um, you could get away with murder. Literally. Mm-hmm. Um, Look, we don't give look, all you need to do is this. What you don't ever want to do is paint one type of people or thing bad and the other one you ignore it. So if you say that the, the, the Panthers are a terrorist group, but then you paint the cops as angels, you already fucked up. Mm-hmm. If you watch the movie American Gangster, Frank Lucas was able to get half of that fucking department in trouble because they were corrupt police officers. Yeah. That's Most, the only way you can grow that huge. Yeah. The only way you can grow that big as a drug dealer is if there is a bunch of corrupt cops, mm-hmm. the same way as Freeway Rick in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Most of the department of LAPD were corrupt. Let me tell you something. If you're a cop doing a job and you're d- doing these drug busts, right? And you go into a building and it's, it's only you and three of the cops. Y'all do the bus. And on that bus, you find $7 million. That's going to test whether you really give a fuck about that badge or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the whole thing people need to understand. There mm-hmm. have been a lot of police officers that have taken bribes, that have bribed people. There are police officers right here in Bakersfield, California, that have sold meth, that have sold guns, who have stole, uh, uh, stole evidence 
there's a dude that uh, that's uh, he's a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. This guy got busted. I don't, I don't even think he's been sentenced yet. He was walking free. Mm-hmm. We talk about him. Like my 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 uncle got a federal drug charge and did some time, some, did some significant time. Mm-hmm. But I just seen a cop steal evidence and he got fucking probation. This is what we have to understand, folks. I'm a guy that believes multiple things. Mm-hmm. I believe we need a decent, strong police force, but I believe we need good cops. Yeah. We don't need bullshit cops out here being criminals. Mm. You want to be a fucking criminal, you don't need a badge for that. Okay? You yeah. want to be an FBI, you want to be corrupt, you could have did that without being a fucking FBI agent. But yeah. a lot of times people get this power. People, you would be a fool to believe that someone that doesn't have the power, a police officer or whatever, doesn't have the ability to also be racially biased. Yeah. That's just that's just insane not to have that belief system. Mm-hmm. I think one of the um, the things that like like I was saying after I watched the movie, it was kind of one of those things where I sat there for a minute just thinking about the whole situation in its entirety and thinking about you know a lot of historical figures like we talked about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and how all these people were assassinated. Um, you start to become like somewhat of a conspiracy theorist yourself because right. you, you to me I, I went to um, I was texting my brother this the other day I was like I'm questioning everybody's death now mm. because you look at the way Fred Hampton died in the movie and essentially he died they slipped him some I don't know what like some poisonous something in his drink or whatever and then they also doubled down on it to make sure he was dead and they shot him in the head so if you think about that situation and you think about um, how and who the part of that narrative is that the only reason that narrative is probably out there is because he has uh, a, a partner who is still alive to this right. day. You know what I mean? And she was there in the house when when all the stuff was going down. So if you think about that, but just just open your mind up to thinking about the how many successful people have died by the most craziest situations right. you think about and not necessarily even like political activists like that just black people that have um succeeded in in different facets of life like a michael jackson mm-hmm. you know we all know his um his ties to owning the beatles masters and right. you know you know basically having you know amazing record deals throughout the history or prince you know what i mean Fuck. a person who painted a uh, slave on his face and you know um even a guy like Nipsey Hussle who was you know moving in his community and trying to buy property and just kind of elevating people's mindsets and who knows how these people have actually passed away but you, if you start to connect how these people were moving to the way that Fred Hampton was moving and the way that they were able to kind of keep this story tucked off right you know what i mean it starts to make you think like yo what, like what, what was happened? the artist that died and he was trying to get his masters fucked there was a movie that just came out about him recently. A movie about an artist I was trying to get their masters. Yeah, yeah, he was basically damn it, and he ended up. They said he did drugs. Sam Cook. Sam Cook. Yep, that's, that's another it. one. You you yeah. start to question all these things, like like what's going on here? And what? it's a common thing, like people that are striving for something, people that are you know trying to gain ownership or whatever. Like you realize that, um, like when you have affiliations and you have money. You can make anything go away. Just yeah. look at the celebrity status of certain things where 
you know, even like look at like college football, how, you know, there's a lot of college athletes that have gotten to different situations and it gets swept under the rug. They pay a person out and then that person is sent to another school and a college athlete is just catching yeah. you know, touchdowns in the in a, uh, in a bowl game. Yeah, so. this shit is it's just different, man. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that just I think that Americans, Americans education system in itself is extremely racially biased. And I think it's bled into our and it's bled into the school so bad that there's a lot of shit that we don't know. Why the fuck is the Rainbow Coalition not something that's talked about? Yeah. They just want to make it all about the Black Panthers. But there was a unity. People don't realize that Martin Luther King was not just fighting for black people. He was also fighting for low class whites that were poor, that were exposed to some of the same conditions as blacks. You know, there may have not been a, a huge sector of, of, of poor whites, but. Martin Luther King fought for them too. Mm-hmm. This is not taught in school. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we that it's being highlighted in films and you actually uh go back and look, it's like fuck, man. Yeah. I think that's the um the the great thing about like and these are our peers. Like, right. I'm sure Ryan Coogler is probably close to your age. I think we're the same age, actually. Yeah. So you you think about like the the ability and, and the mindset that a guy like Ryan Coogler who can come off the back of Creed and then go to black, uh, you know, his first movie is freaking Fruitvale Station. You right. know, his, his mind is already mm-hmm. there. And then he can dip into Creed where it may not have the same message and the same tone, but he can hit you over the head with just, you know, like, entertainment with the with the you know a good story in there mm-hmm. and then hit you with black panther which is like the biggest movie ever and then hit you he didn't direct this but he produced this movie so you could already tell like where his his mind is at and he's able to it's almost like a jay-z to where like jay-z can sneak in like empowering lines like he said i, I arrived on the day fred hampton died real niggas just multiply he said right. that on freaking uh watch the throne yeah you know what i mean and that's years before years this came before out this came out um so he like i would liken ryan coogler the way he moves to like a jay-z to where he can put those lines in there but he can also bring forth like the most entertainment i think know? what's cool about ryan coogler is him also having the assistance of like other younger black intellectual type guys like, like right right there mm-hmm. like michael b jordan's lakeith stanfield that understand that what, understand yeah. oh yeah and, and uh you know even guys like childish gambino also yeah. the way he highlights things on the shy yeah. that's it wasn't the not atlanta. Shy, the atlanta i'm tripping mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. are my two favorite shows yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 but uh he does a great job of highlighting conditions that per- people go through i think um, that's the power of like us like as black people like we even our podcast it's that it's like a similar tone to where it's right. like it's entertainment but it's also like we going to really talk about some real stuff 100%. like we're not just giggling and laughing the whole time we're just not we're not just two black caricatures up here yeah. like you know what fried chicken like no we ain't doing <laughs> yeah, that we, we actually have something to fucking talk about i think yeah. it's our responsibility not only as content creators but as black men to um have a higher conversation because there are a lot of people who may not look like us that need real information and the only information that they're getting overblown with is rap videos and motherfucking um, Instagram and all this bullshit that, yeah. that that's that's around black culture. When in actuality, there's so many things mm-hmm. that um, and plus it's Black History Month. So I, before the month ends, I feel like me and Keith owe it to our listeners to give them a little more depth. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there's so many things that I don't know as a black man about what um, black people have contributed 
contributed to in American culture. Yeah. People say, why do we need a Black History Month? It's just American. No, we need a Black History Month for this reason. So people can actually understand the contributions. If black history is American history, then why the fuck is so much of it missing from textbooks? That's my question. Yeah. Until you start adding more of these things into textbooks, then I feel like we need to actually put this information out into the universe. Yeah. You know, I feel like I feel like, you know, I, I agree with you on that. Like, you know, we need to put this information in textbook. But I feel like we can't rely on um, an oppressive system to do it for us. Right. So that, I think that's why it's important for, I guess, us. I think it's more important for us as black men. And, you know, we're hopefully going to have kids and families and stuff in the future. It's important for me to pass that knowledge down to my son because or my daughter, because um, I can't I can't rely on a school system that's failing students across America to, to really tell the story of, of us as a people, you know what I mean? Right. You know, so, but that's the power of these uh, movies where they can sneak entertainment and sneak information into something. And, you know, the beautiful thing about, you know, HBO kind of taking on this, this task of, uh, you know, presenting these movies you know, and it may not put the people that actually are ahead of the thing in the greatest light, but you know they're still putting this content out there. So, yeah, that's a great thing. And I, I feel like any any black creator out there, um, I would if you if you have an idea, if you want to create any type of thing, I would just say create things with this idea in mind that you're speaking for a previous generation and you're speaking for a future generation. Um, and I think if you if you create content in that light, um, you you won't go wrong and you always have, you know, like a, a sustainable way of, of communicating or telling your story. So, bro, this is crazy. While you were talking right now, I just want to give a little bit of insight of uh, in regards to um, black people who had a huge uh, like role in culture. American culture, right? I was just going to this different creators. Mm -hmm. George Crumb, Crumb, a chef and restaurant to uh, restaurant to chore. How do you say that? Restaurant sure. It's almost like saying somebody is like a provocateur or a, <laughs> a connoisseur, yeah. but I'm fucking the word up. <laughs> it's said to have unintentionally created the potato chip during the summer of 1853. They were made in a response to a customer who sent back their fried potatoes after complaining they were too thick. The crisps were an instant hit, and though Crumb never parented the creations, chips are arguably now one of the world's favorite snacks. So a black man created potato chips. Mm -hmm. Think about this shit. This is a huge fucking deal. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. well, I'll give you one more. Uh, Granville T. Woods. Woods accumulated nearly 60 patents during his lifetime, 1856 to 1910, many of which improved the functioning of railroads. His most notable are the... Induction telegraph system, which allowed traveling trains to communicate with one another while also allowing dispatchers to locate them. And the first electricity powered railway. This is fucking huge. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. A lot of people even wrote books, but they had to use like a pen name and shit. A lot of decent um, trailblazing black creators. Um, I don't want to venture too far off the film, but it kind of was in connection to mm -hmm. why we don't know this story of Fred Hampton. Um, it's just not taught in textbooks. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know a lot of our history, but that that's not an excuse. Like we, right. 
we as black, I mean, we don't, that, that's what I was, my point was, it's like throughout school, we only going to learn so much. Right. We don't, we don't learn how to create a podcast in school. We don't learn how no. to develop an app in school. We don't learn how to start a clothing line. None of these things. Um, so we can't use that as an excuse as to, you know, you know. We don't, learn how, to, we don't learn how to fry chicken in school. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Culinary mom, arts. Our mom taught us that. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> But that's the thing. I, I remember I went to one of my friends, uh, his grandparents' house, and she was she was kind of bothered by the way they presented um, Martin Luther King. Like they had a project that the kids had to do, but it was they kind of glossed over his history. Oh, and she made a point for her grandkids to like really do some real research and really put together. I think she put together her own slideshow to present to him. Mm-hmm. So, but that's like I think that's what we should do. Like we should create movies. We should speak to. Even speaking to even me, like on this podcast, but also like me just telling my brothers and, you know, my friends like, yo, you need to watch this movie because like it's a powerful movie. Um, Even that's just doing a little bit of what we should be doing just to kind of keep these narratives alive. Yeah, we have to do our due diligence as people and in general. That's not just black people and do our due diligence to actually see. Uh, what's out there mm-hmm. um, but what I will say is this I strongly suggest I'm sure me and Keith have missed some things in the film yeah. there's a lot of things in the film but I strongly suggest you just go out and watch it uh, just to give a better idea what well, one thing I will say is that the uh, and I have to I really want to watch that interview that William O'Neill did I know um, but I it if it, it kind of frustrates me the way he speaks about the 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 uh he makes it the, as if he was uh, uh an intricate part in anything yeah when, when he knew that he was a piece of shit yeah and like i said they they use that word uh very uh they intentionally that sedu that seduction aspect of mm-hmm. like them seducing him and um it just it just bought when you even look at his demeanor, like, you know, like you said, mm-hmm. the way he's explaining it, like, yeah, yeah, I was I actually I was basically saying I was like I was I was on the a front lot of people, lines. A lot of people talk about it, but I was no you wouldn't, man. You were mm-hmm. a piece of shit. But you know, one thing one great thing that Shaka Shaka King, the uh the director of the movie said, he was like, one of the points of the movie was like this socialist aspect versus this capitalist aspect. Mm-hmm. And he was saying like Fred Hampton was a person that was like he's all about the community, free mm-hmm. breakfast, rides, education, the whole nine. And William O'Neill was a capitalist. Like right. all, when you think about it, all he cared about was money. All he cared about was that two hundred thousand yep. dollars that he got. And then if you look at the end, he got three hundred dollars in the keys to a gas station. Yeah. So essentially, he got you know he he set Black history back decades for $300 in a gas station. Oh my god. And some cigarette or some cigars and some scotch every now and then. Sad. Yeah. yeah. He gave him all that just to be a snitch. Oh man, that's true. Not to mention at the end from the socialist aspect, they talked about man, you look in the 2 to 5 years mm-hmm. and the crowns and everybody came together and gave him some money to get out of the country. And um, basically, he was like, he took the money out of his back pocket. He's like, I can't do this. Is this movement about me or the people? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't do this. Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton said yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. And it just spoke to what kind of man Fred Hampton was. Mm-hmm. Like, he felt uncomfortable taking things from anybody. The crazy thing, too, is that it, it 
what the feds did it worked and you've seen it in real time and right. then they try to so like when he went to went to jail the first time for some stupid I still an ice cream or something stupid yeah, they like try that. to say he did when he yeah. yeah um and he sat down for for some weeks yeah and the the things start falling apart it was you know yeah. the dude, i think Algie smith got into a shootout with the police officers yeah and you know the the organization just kind of just fell apart they shot up the whole the building yeah. and stuff burn it yeah burned it down and it was working. And then when he got back out, the stuff started moving again. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it just killed him. So mm-hmm. that you you start to see like, yo, like they really um, they're really strategic about the way they move. They took the head of the organization mm-hmm. out and then everything else just kind of crumbled. Because yeah. one of the things that people people there was a conversation in the Breakfast Club and they were talking about like, yo, why isn't there another Fred Hampton out there? Why isn't there? you know, someone else that kind of takes that place. And what we have to realize, like, as much as we have it in us, you know, we're, we we should be empowered by watching these kind of movies. These are one of ones. Right. The way that Martin Luther King speaks and the way he could command a crowd and, you know, just the type of ideas he has, same with Malcolm X, same with Fred Hampton. Like, you can't be no regular person in go into, you know, a clan rally or whatever and be like, hey, <laughs> you poor, I'm poor, let's rock. That wasn't a clan rally though. Oh, I don't know. Well the it was the Patriot the Young Patriots. Yeah. 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 They'll go into a young Patriots rally and be like, hey, like, you know, you know, we poor, we, I'm poor. Let's let's come together and fight against like these oppressive people. Like that's this is like once in a generation type of that's mm-hmm. like that's like expecting there to be another Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know what I mean? You ever heard somebody say, you know what, this is crazy. We need to all come together. That happened. Yeah. That actually happened. We just mm-hmm. never learned about it in textbooks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I I, I don't want to I could talk to him blue in the face. So mm-hmm. what I will say is make sure you watch uh Judas in the Messiah in the Black Messiah. Um, it is on HBO Max, but you know it is a fourteen dollars subscription. But I'm gonna be real, bro. I'm about to I'm about to get live on there because there's some bangers on there. Yeah, they got it's, Mortal Kombat coming yeah. out in April. They got yeah. Um, what's another? Well, I watched another movie. I'm gonna go. Is is what's the name on there too? That at Wonder Woman nineteen Wonder Woman was on. I there. haven't seen it yet, mm-hmm. but I might watch it because I heard it sucks. So. <laughs> yeah, it. I haven't finished it, so I don't know how good the movie is um the new they doing a rebrand of the justice league which is i'm gonna watch it just because i'm a comic book guy but i'm not i don't have high hopes for it you know that that producer that does that on the beginning of the song justice league justice oh yeah imagine imagine if they did the score that'd be crazy yeah (laughs) (laughs) right right yeah uh-huh. Um, yeah, so it's a, so it's movies dropping every month, so it's I think it's worth it. Be, like you said, you know, you spend uh-huh. fourteen dollars versus you would spend however many dollars, you know, going to the theater. So, yeah. Um, well, looks like we've gotten to the end of this one, man. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to thank everyone who took the time to listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to a Trucker's Mind podcast. I'm Eddie McGee, it's your boy K. Fing. Right here, peace. <laughs>